stop whatever you're doing and listen to Josh and Daniel, Diary of the Madman, the ultimate Aussie podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Diary of the Madman, the ultimate Ozzy Osbourne podcast where we geek out about all things Ozzy and all things Ozzy related. I am Josh Kramer with me as always, Mr. Dan Drago. How's it going, Dan? Doing great, man. How you doing? I'm good, man. Excited for tonight's episode. We have some special guests on here with us tonight. Do you want to tell the listeners who we have with us? I am super excited about today's episode. We have George Solano from the Metal Gods podcast, our Judas Priest family over here. And we have Uncle Steve from the Iron Maiden Zone podcast, our Iron Maiden family. So not only do we have the Aussie love, we have Iron Maiden and Judas Priest. And of course, we have our main man, Ryan Beavers in the house, who is really our third family member. What's up, dudes? For the listeners out there, Ryan responded with a peace sign, like you guys could fucking see it, but whatever. Right. George, <laughs> He's how you doing? Representing Ozzy already. That's yes, it. That's right. You guys see can't it. see me nodding my head either, but I'll keep and doing it. We can guys, hear it. I'm doing freaking <laughs> awesome. And it is such a pleasure to be here. I'm making my rounds, trying to get on as many deep dive shows as I can. If any of you listeners don't know the Metal Gods podcast, that's where me and my best bro, Tom, talk about a different Judas Priest song every week and break it down. And in fact, Uncle Steve and your other host, Dan, they've been on the show too. So why don't you come on over and check that out if you've got any interest in Judas Priest? It was an amazing experience too, George. It was awesome. Yeah, it won't be the last time we work together. No, definitely not. Absolutely. And Uncle Steve, why don't you tell us a little bit about your podcast? My podcast is Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone, and we do Iron Maiden stories where people come on and we go through their history in Iron Maiden. We have history episodes where we break down the history of, I don't break it down, Andrew does, my one of my co-hosts. He breaks down the history behind a song. We don't even necessarily talk about the song, but he'll tell you the real story behind Ace is Higher, The Trooper, or The Legacy, or whatever. All right, Dan. So in recent news, one of the major topics have been the Van Halen proposed reunion with Jason Newstead on bass and Joe Satriani on guitar. Definitely something I've been interested to talk to you guys about because it's definitely been the hot topic on Sirius XM recently. I've been listening to some shows about it and uh, everyone seems to have an opinion on it, man. What do you guys think? Could this actually be something that could pull off a Van Halen reunion without Eddie Van Halen or is it a no-go for you all? I think personally it would be awesome if two things happened. If it was a one-off, not a tour, nothing like that. Kind of like if they did it, how they celebrated Freddie Mercury for Queen. I thought that was fantastic. But they got to have Michael Anthony back. To me, it's ridiculous that Michael Anthony isn't even mentioned. I mean, I love Jason Newstead, but basically it's chicken foot almost if you bring Michael Anthony yeah. back with Joe Satriani. But I think it would be awesome. I think it would be an incredible way to celebrate Eddie's life, and I'd be down for that if we're talking about a celebration. But to continuing Van Halen, hell no. Eddie Van Halen is Van Halen. I would do it as a celebration. I'd bring in Sammy and Dave and just have a night of celebrating Van Halen songs. What do you think, Ryan? I agree. hundred percent. Definitely not a tour. Yeah. A one-off, like a giant celebration and then make it some sort of donation to some cancer fund, something related to, you know, the struggles that Eddie went through. I mean, it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever to take the backbone of the band died and to tour is nonsense, but a hundred percent go for a one-off gig for sure what do you think george you can call it 
something else other than Van Halen. But let's be honest, you can't have Van Halen without Van Halen. Call it a tribute act when a bunch of Ronnie James Dio's ex-band members came together to do a tour after he passed. They didn't call it Dio. They called it Dio's Disciples or something like that. And the last in line was the last in line. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Uncle Steve? I think that you could do, say, maybe three or four shows, like do a East Coast, a West Coast, make it to where I guess you do it in a big enough place, like, a you know, a stadium somewhere where a lot of people can go see it. I definitely agree with Michael. Like you said, the whole chicken foot thing with Alex Van Halen and then, of course, Eddie's son being involved. David Lee Roth, of course. And I don't know. What do y'all think about having uh, Gary Sharon? <laughs> I would love it. Yeah. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah, I would love that. But the reality is they really haven't, from what we've read, approached it as a one-off special night in tribute of Eddie situation. They make it sound more like it was to be a Van Halen tour with Joe Satriani on guitar and possibly Jason Newstead on bass. And I think in that environment, I just don't believe very many people are interested in it. But I'm like you guys in a environment where it's three or four shows throughout the country for charity or something. I think everyone's involved with that. I think Wolfie's already said he has nothing to do with it, wants nothing to do with it. One of my friends kind of commented on what George said. He's like, well, how can you have Van Halen without Van Halen? Well, we got to remember they do have Alex Van Halen. He's right. still there, right? It's just so weird to me if you have Michael Anthony involved and then you bring back Sammy and David. At that point, there's a lot more interest than what they're proposed right now with Jason Newstead. I just don't really see that. I love Ryan's idea about doing it for charity, too. I think who wouldn't get behind that? You know, you donate the money to cancer, which what Eddie passed away from. I think that's a genius idea. Yeah. And I, actually, I do like Steve's idea for the, do the coast, do a Midwest thing and or something down south. And yeah, that makes perfect sense. It would be enormous and an amazing cause. Did you guys happen to see the backlash that kind of came with Newstead running his mouth and he was all pissed off about the reporter talking about it? But it's like, dude, what did you think? You brought it up in casual conversation that that wasn't going to be like a headline. Right. Mm-hmm. Everything. Yeah, he. Uh, I think he got reamed a little bit by a few people after that. <laughs> but yeah, it's a great idea. I think everyone would look to hear Van Halen songs again and see Alex out there and David Lee Roth and, and all the guys. It'd be a good time, especially. I love the idea of Gary Sharon actually coming back and doing a few with them. I think that'd be fucking great. I was a big fan of that album, actually, and like most listeners, but I thought it was awesome. Another thing, you mentioned the charity for cancer, possibly, but you know, Eddie was actually really involved in music in schools, and that was really his passion, was providing money and guitar for schools to teach students with and get kids involved in music. So that could be another charity that could really benefit from that if they were to go that route with it. So question, I know we talked about, would you be okay with this sort of tribute tour or tribute concert if it was to happen? But how likely do you think it is to actually happen? Because I'm going to just make a comment here, and I don't know if this is controversial, but I'm going to rate this like a zero out of 10 in terms of likeliness. Like, I think the rumor mill is cranking out complete BS right now. I agree with you a thousand percent. I don't see this happening. With Wolfgang not getting behind it, I personally think David Lee Roth is kind of done, vocally done, and I, I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen now, but I think it 100% was in the works. So Joe Cetriani even backed that up. They, they did discuss it for over a year. So it's definitely something that, that they have seriously considered for sure. I think after that Jason backlash, that might might have sealed the deal. Even if it was potentially on the table, I think it's off now for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. In other news, this past weekend was Record Store Day. Do you guys celebrate Record Store Day at all? Or did you guys get out and visit your local shops or anything? I sure did. I'm a big records collector. We've talked about that a lot on the show. Anybody else get out there and support Record Store Day? 
I didn't know what was happening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, personally, I was actually at a three-day festival, and so I didn't make it out to any record shops. I was traveling to Houston, believe it or not, but I did buy a few CDs from some smaller artists while I was at that festival. So, hey, that counts. Close enough. I'm more in line with Uncle Steve. It really doesn't do a whole lot for me either. I'm sorry, Dan. I know you were pretty pumped about it, but uh, I'm, I, luckily for me, I am friends with my local shop. So if they have any kind of cool Aussie or Sabbath memorabilia, they'll usually let me know about it in advance and kind of take care of me. But it's not really something I participate in either. But I do shop local. I think everyone should try to shop local if you can. I was really pumped for it. I did avoid going out and shopping like I, I told you and you and Josh. I, I've spent, I don't know, six dollars in vinyl just this year alone i'm like i need to reel it back a little bit so (laughs) i knew you know i wouldn't be able to say no to some of those special color limited edition bullshit so i avoided it altogether my day was actually kind of fun i woke up early in the morning and we have a lot of local record stores here in phoenix and so i kind of live in two worlds i live in the the metal world right a lot and i also live a little bit in the alternative world because i'm a diehard pixies fan and Beatles. so the pixies had a really special live at coachella vinyl that came out so i wanted to go grab it and there was a ramones box set that was coming out so i went to a record store here locally that that was more established towards the alternative crowd it's kind of funny because sometimes i don't fit in there and sometimes i don't fit in the metal crowd i'm kind of like always in the in-between worlds but i waited in an hour before i could even get in the fucking store and i really just wanted those two main things i finally got in and they were both sold out i was fucking pissed so i get in my car and there's another record store literally about three miles from where i was at and i ran there real quick and they opened an hour later so they were opening while i was running in and i got right in the store and they had both of them but that ramones box set i don't know if you guys are ramones fans but it is fucking killer it was 150 bucks but it was all of their vinyl releases in the 1980s which is much harder to find so i have all their 70s stuff so that was worth it alone i didn't pick this up and i'm pissed off but they had voivod angel rat and it looks fucking killer but i'd already spent too much i did pick up charlie benante's tribute to rush it looks really killer and kirk hammett's first solo ep i had to pick that up i think that high plains drifter song is great I also heard today that they are having, and we've talked about this a lot on the show, because we think this is what the delay is for Megadeth and for Ozzy, but they're having such a vinyl shortage that a lot of the stuff that was scheduled to release this week got pushed back till June. So they're doing another Record Store Day in June, which is amazing. But I'll tell you what I love about Record Store Day, and Josh hit on it. It was amazing to see that I had to wait in line for an hour to see a small record store get the support locally that they really deserve, man. I just love seeing people buying vinyl. I don't give a fuck what genre it is. Is. Then I went to the other record store that was fucking packed and I had to wait in line there. And I was just thinking, how amazing is it that we're supporting our local record stores on a great day like that? To me, that's the best part about Record Store Day. For sure. I'm kind of more on pace with George over there. I still do the CD thing more than vinyl. But uh, yeah, it's still great to see people get out and support local shops, man, and keeping them alive. I, my first job was at a local music store. I was a junior in high school, worked there my junior and senior year, and it was fucking great. In the back, we sold dildos and bongs. <laughs> and out front, we sold CDs, and it was a fucking blast, man. It was called Sound CD2, Pikeville, Kentucky. Represent. So, but, no, uh, Josh's paycheck went to the back room. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I sold CDs with the field up my ass. It's, it's great. But, no, it's, it's great to see people in a digital era getting out and supporting local shops and actually buying physical product, which is definitely back on the rise. Not only is vinyl still on the rise, but CDs are back on the rise also. So, that's kind of exciting in a way. Yeah, I am a CD buyer myself, and I like when a band puts out just a nice set 
or any sort of special edition like the recent 40th anniversary editions of Motorhead's first few albums came with like a 32-page booklet and a bonus live CD. And the booklet had all sorts of photos and stories about the band. And that's the sort of thing you want. And, well, I am actually going to go further down the road of what I want in a CD. It's going to tie into our discussion of Black Rain so maybe we'll get there a little later. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, Black hey. Sabbath has released a lot of those over the past few years, and they're fucking stellar, man. We love them. Hey, Steve, how did you buy the? How did you buy Sinjitsu? Did you buy vinyl? Did you buy CD? Did you just stream it? <laughs> Pretty much bought it on everything. I've got. We were at Walmart one day. I don't know how, how old are you, Ryan? He's the baby. I'm 36. Okay, so I don't know if you remember this or not, but I know I know that Dan remembers this, and maybe Josh. But back in the day, when you would go to a store and they would have a setup of all the album, you know, like a, a display yep. of an album. Yep. And, and you rarely, unless you go to a real record store, you just don't get that. And I don't really have a big, nice one right near me, but a week after that album came out, I got, I went and bought it on release day. I went to target and release day. I walked in, there's not one on the shelf. And I'm like, can you go look in the back? And I told her what I was looking for. I showed it to her on their website. It says you have it. She goes back and gets it. Anyway, I'm at Walmart a week later I'm just walking by and all, and I just look right in front of me and I see they made one that comes in like a little book form. Nice. They've done that on, you know, a few of their last albums. And then right above it, they have the full, you know, the vinyl double disc or triple, whatever it is. So I bought both of those. So I bought it. I've got it on MP3. I've got it on. This is, I don't know if you can see, it's the uh, one where it kind of changes the cover. But, uh, yeah, there, cool. you, there you go like that. Yeah, very so, cool. And I've got about five more of these downstairs and I plan on doing a contest one day and maybe <laughs> giving one away. Yeah. But I've got, yeah, I've got every form of every way it came out, except for the um, the one really expensive thing they put out. Like it was like five hundred dollars for the album. I don't remember what it was, but I was like, there's no way I'm spending five hundred dollars. It didn't come with a whole lot extra to make it worth right. it. So yeah, what yeah. the hell was in that? Like a statue of Eddie or something? Look, it didn't equivalent to this five hundred dollars. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's five hundred dollars well spent. Steve. Yeah. We know about that. <laughs> For anyone that can't see us, it was the Judas Priest box set. <laughs> yeah, very nice. Yeah, we kind of oh, joke yeah. on the show about us. When Ordinary Man came out in 2020, each of the three of us bought about six or seven copies each. It was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But you got to get the picture disc. You got to get the regular vinyl. You get the CD. You know, you get the download for your phone. Then it's like, oh, this CD's Japanese and has a bonus track on it. Got to get that one. And <laughs> that's by so, exclusive. Yeah, yeah, we're all nuts, man. It's just, but that's part of the fandom, yeah. right? It's so it fun. Like you're so excited for the release, man. And you just want to support it and you're just excited about it. So that's part of the fun. Now that we can't stand in line anymore on release Tuesday, like it used to be, mm-hmm. you know, now that's how you show your fandom is by going to Amazon or wherever you like to shop and it's busting up every copy they have, you know, in different formats. It's a good time. You just showed your age, Josh, because you said release Tuesday. Yeah, oh, yeah. exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we, right. we never sitting in line on Fridays. So, yeah. but you know, Ryan was the big winner of us, which I ended up getting in on it too. Dan, you may have, but if you ordered the Ordinary Man vinyl off of Ozzy's website, he sent you a autographed lithograph. Oh, and wow. it wasn't auto, and it was legit. And they just sent those without even advertising it. And uh, yeah, once Ryan know. got his, I rushed and bought one from his website, <laughs> and mine had it. Did you get one also, Dan? I didn't. I bought Ooh. it from uh, Amazon, I think, and I'm and Best Buy. Very so cool. Ryan was like, "Holy shit! Like my vinyl record has an autograph and lithograph with it." <laughs> that is awesome. Fuck, I yeah. should have done that. And those were free of charge, and 
And like I said, no promotion even. They didn't even promote that. So that's pretty cool. That is cool. So before yeah. we get into the Aussie news, I just want to bring up one more thing that I forgot to mention, Josh, and that is the rounds going on right now with the Bon Jovi clips live. I'm sure everybody oh, has yikes. been watching. I'm addicted to it. I think I've gotten Josh and Ryan addicted to it as well. I can't stop watching. It's kind of weird. But what do you guys think about what's going on with the Bon Jovi stuff? Well, you know, I was raised with manners. Don't say anything. If you don't have anything nice to say, and the nicest thing I can say right now about Bon Jovi is he's doing better than Vince Neil. Ooh, that's that's questionable, Ryan. I know you had a lot to say oh. on the topic when we were talking about it. Yeah, besides the fact that we, as we've discussed, that he's just singing the same melody no matter what song it is. Beyond flat, I wouldn't even compare him to Vince Neil. Only in that Vince is just a fat sack of shit, and he just like says every fourth word. <laughs> I don't understand what bon jovi is doing whatsoever and the part that blows my mind is that you have this band up there who is saving his ass every night basically who's up there and i guess everyone's just collecting a paycheck and they're just like fuck it whatever but you know it's a serious issue and he's not unless he really is maybe that's a problem he is deaf but he has to know and it's like i and you know even the nosebleed seats are hundred dollars and the fact that you're charging a fan base that's stuck with you for decades and rolling that out on the stage is shocking as hell but yeah i've been addicted probably watch more videos while at work than i should have <laughs> <laughs> I've, n- I've never been to like a bar drunk karaoke and seen anything that bad so it's entertaining i'll, I'll say that much for sure I-, I can say i honestly don't i've seen little r- rustling about it but i don't know much but i'm wondering is it possible that what people are hearing are the what he actually sounds like, but what the crowd is hearing is maybe an auto-tune mix coming from a some widget wizardry or something? I don't think so, because a lot of what we're hearing is from their phones. Okay. So okay. it'd be from the front of the house. Yeah. Uh, and the uh, reviews are atrocious. I mean, it's, it's yeah. all over. The, like, the major newspapers, the fans on Twitter, every city, like, they're just tearing them apart. Yeah. Really oh, are, we talking, are we talking Paul Stanley here? No, worse. Worse? Yeah, worse. Way worse. Way worse. And I'll let you go here, Josh, because I I know you haven't talked on it yet, and I want to say some things too, but I'll just say this, Steve, to start. I've never heard anything like this in my life. Wow. Honestly. Yeah, I've never heard anything like it either, and people were actually leaving the shows mid-concert, saying they've never left a show early before, but it was just so bad, they just couldn't watch it anymore. (laughs) And it's weird, because he's so focused when you watch the videos on trying to perform, that he doesn't even really move on stage. He's like a robot standing there, just trying to sing these as best he can, and he's always behind the beat. And that's the weirdest part. The timing is so bad and it's so low. They've tuned down a full step now also. So the, so the songs are being played really, really low also. It's just odd to watch. It's bizarre is the best word I can think of. It's just bizarre to watch. And the funny thing is my wife and I went and saw Bon Jovi in 2013 and it was great. When I saw these videos for the first time, it was so like, what the fuck has happened to John Bon Jovi? And we started researching it, Dan and Ryan and I, and it ends up most of his diehard fans are saying that 2013 was the last great tour. Mm. And a lot of people believe that because Richie Sambora sung so much that maybe he really helped John out. And then when he left, that that void has really hurt his voice long term. But, you know, to answer Ryan's question about are the guys just collecting a check? Let's just be fucking honest. These guys are on salary. That would be like saying, hey, Gus G or Adam Waitman, go to Ozzy. He's out of fucking key. It's not happening because he's their buddy and he's their provider. And he's Ozzy. He's John Bon Jovi. These guys can't walk up to John Bon Jovi and tell him he needs to stop. It's got to come from his wife or someone 
who's closer to him than that to really give that kind of advice. But it's really sad and disheartening because he seems to be such a great guy. I mean, he has these charitable fucking restaurants in Philadelphia where homeless people get to eat for free and all this stuff. And the picture came out during COVID of him doing dishes at the restaurants and things. <laughs> he seems to be such a good guy, man. But it's just really sad to watch those videos. That's what really hits home for me. I really think Bon Jovi's a great dude. And for me personally, I feel terrible for him because I agree with you, Josh. I think he is trying his hardest. I really do. I think he's so fucking blown away that he's just lost it. And he wants to give the fans a show. Anybody who knows anything about Bon Jovi is the guy is, is just a professional. He's one of the hardest working guys in rock. It took him forever to make it. I just saw a great documentary on him last week. And it really, really opened my eyes to how hard of a worker this guy is. And I know it's he's putting a bad show on fans, Ryan, but I think he wants to give them the best show possible. But at this point, it's just not possible. He just can't get there. I mean, I don't know why they don't have Phil sing a little bit more because Phil X is a talented motherfucker. He's a great guitar player. He's got a great voice. I know it's not Richie Sambora, and I saw that tour as well, Josh. That's the tour I saw him on in 2013, and it was fantastic. But I just feel bad for him. It, it like almost breaks my heart. Unlike when I watch Vince Neil, and I'm not going to rip Vince Neil too bad because I'm a big Motley Crue fan as well. But to me, that's just a guy not trying. I don't think that's the case with Bon Jovi. 100%. The documentary you saw, was it the HBO special documentary that they did a couple years back? No, no, it was actually a uh, Breaking the Band on that Access channel. Do you guys ever oh, watch okay. those? They're great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was a two hour special on, on Bon Jovi. I remember I watched that HBO special and they commented on there about how uh, how hardworking he was and how he, he writes all the songs. And it's, you know, it showed all the guys, Tico and Richie Sambor, and they all were like, this is John's vision. We're just following. Right. How it's, old it's is his he? thing. 16? I believe he's right at 60. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere through there. So also last week, we had some breaking news about a Randy Rhodes documentary coming out called Randy Rhodes Reflection of a Guitar Icon. And it says it's going to be a new Randy Rose documentary to be released May the 6th. And it is narrated by Tracy Guns of L.A. Guns. <laughs> and it is directed by Andy Relis. So a new documentary on Randy Rhodes. I know for any Randy Rhodes fan, anything new is super exciting. So what do you think? Is this something you guys will tune in and pay uh, $3.99 to rent and watch online? Or are you going to pass on it? I will eventually watch it. I mean, it's Randy Rhodes for Christ's sake. But it's hard. I don't, I'm going to share something here and, and Josh and Ryan bust my balls on it pretty hard. I don't even watch the modern Ozzy documentaries. It's, I feel like they're so retread and I know everything about him. It's going to sound so cocky that it's almost a waste of my time. It's like, <laughs> uh, they're not bringing anything new. I'd rather see a documentary about the making of ordinary man or something like that. But how many fucking times do I got to see Ozzy biting the head off a bat or getting kicked out of Black Sabbath or peeing on the Alamo. It's just like, yeah, I get it. I get it. I just, I'm kind of done with them. So I'm not quite sure if they're going to bring anything new to the Randy Rhodes documentary. I hope they do, but I'll definitely check it out. And I just want to support the director because I want to at least give props to somebody making a documentary on such an important topic to my heart. Well, let me piggyback what you said there real quick about it's rarely anything new to you or something you didn't already know. That was my biggest issue. I was excited when I first saw the news on Blabbermouth about the release, but once I actually watched the trailer, I was very turned off because it's all previous footage that we've all seen before on other documentaries. It was nothing I haven't seen before. I'm not saying I'm Mr. Seen it all, but I had seen everything they had showed on the trailer, so I actually have very little doubt now that it's going to bring anything new to the table that hasn't already been spoken about or discussed because 
again, they're using interviews that are previously been viewed on other formats. So that was really discouraging for me. And also, Kathy Rhodes has yet to mention it on any of her social media accounts. So I'm starting to think that the Rhodes family is not involved and probably doesn't want a whole lot to do with it. There's been some Randy Rhodes documentaries in the past that have been nixed because the Rhodes family just wasn't down with the whole process of it. So I'm starting to think this may be another that they really aren't on board with. Yeah, if Kathy and Kelly are behind it, we'll be behind it a thousand percent. That's a great point. For sure. I'll say this. The whole time you two guys were talking about it, I was thinking to myself, because you guys had Kelly and uh, his sister on, and neither one of them mentioned anything. And immediately I thought, well, if if the Rhodes family's not behind it, then really, uh, why would I be behind it in a way, you know? Yeah, agreed. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm going to wait to get your word on it, Josh. I, uh, I'm i going to trust your word on it. I, there can't be anything new. If there was, like, it would have leaked out in some capacity, right? Oh, yeah. If they you had know, some new footage of Randy playing or something, that, they would have thrown that in the trailer and gotten everyone very excited very quick. Unless they're pulling some, like, hologram shit or something, but. I hope not. <laughs> God, I hope they don't do a goddamn Aussie hologram when that day comes. I hate the oh. hologram. In the latest Aussie news, Ozzy was just on Aussie Speaks this week and mentioned that he has still not had surgery yet, which is really disappointing because I just want the guy to get better. He still sounds shaky and you can just tell he's in a lot of pain. So they just haven't got him in still with the COVID going on. They, they keep postponing his surgery. In addition to that, in their new home, moving back to England, they have petitioned for a rehab center to be built in the home. This was hard to hear, to be honest. The whole Ozzy having Parkinson's disease, it really hasn't hit me until this week. I mean, it's like, yeah, Ozzy's got Parkinson's, but it really dawned on me that I almost got a little choked up this week because it's really hitting home that the guy's really suffering. And then you got douchebags all over the place that still rip on this poor fucking guy. But for him to petition for a rehab room in his house just tells you everything you need to know of where he is in his recovery. I don't see an Ozzy show ever again, maybe a one-off. That's just the reality. The fact that he's recorded Ordinary Man and whatever the new album is going to be called is just a godsend. It is a gift. And I'm so grateful for this album and, and the next album because I really didn't think we'd get anything ever again. But it really kind of hit home this week with the fact that his Parkinson's is getting worse. Yeah, I think it hit home with all three of us, that being me, you, and Ryan, because we discussed it for a long time this past weekend, that it really was sobering to read that he's applied for a rehab facility in his house with soft, cushy floors that he can walk on and rails to lean on when he's tired and places to sit throughout the place. You know, it's just... He's made more money than God. So if he can afford to do all this at his home, that's wonderful. And they should. And, you know, Sharon's no spring chicken either. She's 69 herself. But it was definitely humbling. And it brought us down to earth to realize, like, our superhero needs help right now. He's not just twinkling around his tippy toes through the house anymore. And just, I can't imagine him running across the stage. And, you know, my biggest fear is if he does do another show, is that he's going to say, yeah, yeah, I'll stand there and sing and I'll take it easy. But he's fucking Ozzy. Next thing you know, he's fucking scratching his belly, running across the stage, and he trips and falls. And that's the last thing any of us want to see on stage and really hurts himself again. Like you said, the neck fusion surgery still has been postponed yet again. And I'm really shocked. You know, I hate to, no one's any better than anyone else in the world. I truly believe that. The dude picking up my trash is no different than I am or the doctors I work with. I work at a hospital. But like, he's honestly fucking Osborne, man. You can't get him in to get the fucking surgery done. Like, what the fuck? I don't understand that at all. But Sharon can get in for a 12-hour fucking facelift she talked about on her show yesterday or whatever. I just don't – I don't understand how this keeps getting postponed. 
unless it's his conditions that's postponing it more than actually COVID and scheduling. Quite possibly. That it's actually just hit me as I said that. So yeah, it, it could be more. I thought the, they the said. Did he not say on Aussie Speaks that it was COVID? He did, but I'm saying, yeah. is that what he's saying versus what it truly Got it. is? Got I'll it. give you a great example. My mother's a cancer survivor. She's had cancer for 12 years. She's been stage four for eight, and she's going to have a PET scan, and she's diabetic, and she's missed the last three PET scans because her sugar's just too high. Right. You know, is there something similar to that for Ozzy that he's just not being able to get in because he's not in a standard to have the surgery just yet? Is there something holding it back more physically? You never know. And we're kind of all in the same boat. I mean, Rob is surely not the spring chicken he was on stage anymore, and Bruce is a cancer survivor and gosh i mean if anybody rivals ozzy for energy it's clearly bruce dickinson so you know that guy's he's still pretty amazing he's considerably younger though than ozzy and rob but you know he had the cancer scare as well i think it's scary because it's not scary but well for us as fans especially someone as old as me and dan who have been around for much longer than all of you these guys have been with us for as long as almost as long as you can really remember yeah you know before we were adults we loved Ozzy and we loved Maiden and we loved all these bands and their music. I know it's cliche to say it, but it's the soundtrack of our lives. And these guys in one form or another have been a part of our lives. 35 years going back or so. It's And we know the time is getting closer because they're all getting up there. I mean... I've talked to my wife before and, you know, she doesn't, you know, she, I think she's like most of you guys wife. She doesn't care about the stuff I listen to, but I'm like, I really wonder how I'm going to feel when I hear the news of one of these Titanic people in my life. I've never even met, but are ingrained in me when it happens. Cause it's going to come across Twitter one day and it's going to be yeah. trending really fast. And I'm going to go, Oh my God, I don't know what the reaction is going to be like. It's so many years of it's weird. The closest thing so far is obviously Dio and Lemmy, two legends. Lemmy probably hit harder a little for me. I mean, I love Dio, of course, but those were definitely hard. Nothing comparable to Ozzy, of course, for Josh and Ryan and I. But uh, yeah, I think you're spot on, Steve. What were you going to say, George? That's something that I was thinking about as you guys were talking. Like, I was old enough to remember Dio passing, and that one hit me really hard because no one of his stature had really succumbed up to that point. Maybe you could say Dimebag Daryl, but that was more of a tragedy because he was murdered rather than reaching his end from natural causes. But when it was Dio, then it just got me thinking about the mortality of the bands that I grew up listening to, even though I'm not as old as Dan, whose age we like to make fun of. You know, (laughs) I like bands of the 70s and 80s era. Absolutely. Ryan? Yeah, you know, I think I've told you guys before. The next 10 years, I think, are going to be real interesting in the in the rock world. The McCartneys and the McJaggers and the Ozzies, all these guys are up there. And they've been doing it this whole time. And time is a bitch. You know, I try not to think about it too much. Kind of had a lump in my throat when I sent you guys that article initially about Ozzy and his little rehab facility. Because if you're building that as a structure on your home, like, that's permanent. It's, you're not doing that because you have like a positive outlook. Um, right. Yeah, that was hard to read. And it's hard, you know, those little clips that have come out of him and Sharon, like little 30 seconds, like you can see that the Parkinson's has taken its toll. Like he just, his shoulders and his arms, like he cannot sit still. It's, it's hard. That I'll try not to think about it too much, but time's coming for a lot of these guys, and we're going to be dealing with a lot of things here shortly that we don't want to. Yeah, such point. as life. Right? Yeah, I think the one in my life that hit me the hardest was actually Kevin Dubrow of Quiet Right. Reason being, it was very unexpected. He overdosed relatively young age, but Kevin was friendly enough 
that where I'm such a Randy Rhodes fan and I was on these message boards, you know, it was like 2007, everybody done the message boards, right? And Kevin would, I've mentioned on the show before, but he would come on there and chat with us all the time and stuff. Well, he was really cool with all the Randy Rhodes fans and he would talk to us and answer questions. And he was become like one of the dudes. That's how I met Dan and Ryan, but it was a Black Sabbath board. Right. But it was like talking to them guys, but it was fucking Kevin Dubrow. And then all of a sudden you wake up one day at the news that he's gone overnight. It's really hard, man, when it's unexpected like that for natural, not that that was a natural cause, but it was certainly not to the extent of the dime bag incident where it's just something malicious either, yeah. you know? So that was a this, tough one for me. That is a tough one. These guys are larger than life. They're legends. They're titans. You know, like Steve said, these have been my idols for 40 plus years and mm-hmm. it's going to be fucking very, very difficult. Really, you know, these are the guys that birthed heavy metal. Tony's another one, you know, God forbid. But oh, yeah, for yeah sure. you know, these are the guys that started it, man. And now they're starting to get old and the time has gone on. My cow of metal church when he committed suicide. Oh, yeah. I remember someone texting me about it. He's, uh, he's our age, Dan, maybe one year older. And someone texted me and said, Hey, did you hear about Mike Howe? And as soon as I heard it, I, they said that I was like, Oh no, what happened? And they said uh, he died. And then of course it came out, you know, a week later or whatever, that it was suicide. I mean, it really hit me hard. It was depressing. And that's by far for me, the biggest one I'm, I know uh, Josh is wearing a Motorhead shirt, but uh, I'm not a Motorhead fan or a Dio fan. I respect him. But Mike Howe, man, when that happened, I was just like, holy crap, this is someone I've loved ever since I heard Badlands on Z-Rock, if y'all remember right. Z-Rock back of in the course. day. Yeah. yeah. And I've been a huge, I love Mike Howe Metal Church and just yeah. couldn't believe it. It was just very, very depressing. And I'm like, that's not Kiss. That's not Ozzy. That's not Maiden. That's not Priest. That's not these even huger guys for me. Right. So I can't even imagine what it's going to be like. Yeah, yeah. great call. Blessing and, in Disguise is one of my favorite records of all time. Awesome. Yeah. And another more recent one that we've kind of forgotten about, but you know, Eddie Van Halen. That was really hard because th- yeah. there was rumor that he was sick, but no one knew he was that sick because they kept that really quiet, you know, until he actually passed that he was that bad. So it was kind of shocking also. A lot like Malcolm Young, right? Oh, that yeah, yeah, one. Malcolm's a good one also, yeah. yeah, for sure. Good call. All right, so let's pick the tempo up. You know, we've been dour here long enough. We're here to talk about two of Ozzy's most underappreciated records and maybe most unknown records. And I'm super excited about this episode because I don't necessarily know if Funkle Steve and George really had the background. And I'm really excited to hear their opinions because they're coming in with fresh ears. But Josh, Ryan, and myself know these albums like the back of our hands. But we are doing a battle today of the Kevin Cherko-produced Black Rain versus the Kevin Cherko-produced Scream. And I'm super excited about this because I'd say out of Ozzy's whole catalog, these are his two most similar albums, even more so than Blizzard and Diary. Black Rain and Scream are very, very similar. What do you think about today, Josh? Extremely similar. They were both recorded at Ozzy's home studio also. They definitely came from the same origins, so there's a lot of reasons for them to have a similar tone. The biggest difference, of course, being Zach Wilde moving on after Black Rain and then Scream being written more with Kevin Cherko writing most of the guitar parts, him and Adam Wakeman, actually. So other than that, yeah, extremely similar production and two albums that really rival each other and definitely are sister albums for sure. Absolutely. So we're super excited to hear your guys' opinion on it. Before giving anything away, George, what's your overall consensus of both records? How familiar were you with both of them? Dan, this is something that we actually were chatting about over Twitter for a second. Yes, these are the two most similar Ozzy albums albums to each other that was something that i typed out and you agreed with me and you might think it's obvious well they're both kevin churko albums but they really do have a similar vibe and not just from the production style when it comes to the sequencing you're getting 
track four is a ballad Mm -hmm. and then track five is a longer song and then track six and seven are three minute rockers and to me that's kind of an indictment of this era of ozzy's career because it shows that he was getting formulaic with the types of songs he was writing and the way that he was sequencing them on the albums what do you think steve these are two albums i think you mentioned it to me you called me that the forgotten albums are just the unknowns or the yeah I definitely fall into that category. I mean, I love Ozzy. Y'all got me going on Ordinary Man. Awesome. I, you know, and maybe it was my daughter because I think, or some, you know what it was? It was the video for uh, Under the Graveyard because it was so different and it was just a cool, it was like watching a little mini doc, you know, and watching that and just, I was like, holy crap, this is good. And so I got into Ordinary Man, but these albums, I just remember thinking, uh, you know, I don't want to stop when I heard the single. It's a scream when I heard the single. Eh, it just didn't do anything for me. Where you hear it once and you don't like it kind of thing. Or you just don't give it enough of a chance. And that was me, totally. So I've spent the last week just... Because I'll tell you this. Even when you said, you know, I'm really looking forward to hearing, you know, you you just really dig into these albums for a week. And, and I was just thinking, oh, yeah, I'm struggling. I have to really dig hard to figure out how bad they are or whatever. <laughs> and... I have been struggling to do one song against the other. I was just like, holy crap, these albums are good. Awesome. Just to tack on to what George said, I have a little note written here, and I just said, these albums feel like they were laid out exactly the same. You get to a ballad, and then to another ballad up against it, and I thought, I had to double check. I was like, did Dan rearrange the order of the songs to make it work this way? And I looked, and I was like, no, he didn't. And I do have a question I want to ask, because you know, over the years, we know, you'll know where I'm going when I say Geezer Butler, Bob Daisley. Who wrote the lyrics for these albums? Because there's some really good lyrics on these albums. I would say most of it was Ozzy and Kevin Cherko. Ozzy, Ozzy and contributes Cherko. a lot. Yeah. yeah. Wow. He's some really good lyrics writing on these albums. When Josh and I talk about this a lot with Ryan, first of all, Ozzy writes way more than people give him credit for. Sure. But secondly, I think on these albums in particular and Ordinary Man, Ozzy has really stepped up his help with the lyrics. No question. Yeah. Even Geezer Butler in the past, I watched an interview several years back where they said, what's something about Ozzy that people may not know? And he made the comment, he said he writes a lot more lyrics than he's getting credit for these days. He said, I feel like that's starting to get discredited a little bit. He said he does contribute mm-hmm. more than the general public wants to give him credit for these days. So Ryan, what do you think? I know you, you know, I know what your opinion is, but why don't you let the listeners know what you think of these two records? These have a real special place for me. Black Rain came out right towards the end of college. And at my age, like the, you know, I, I didn't get to be excited about the ultimate sin and Norris for the wicked and everything when it came out. So this album, Black Rain, Scream, both kind of have a special place in my heart for just the hype around them at the time, and I can place certain things where I was at or relationship I was in or whatever. <laughs> um, there's not too many of that in Ozzy's. You know, I, I've been a massive fan for 25 years, but there's only a handful that I was able to truly appreciate as an adult. They have a special place in my heart for sure. And as far as who's writing, I know Kevin's son, Kane Cherko, was involved in... He wrote Crucify. Yeah. So yeah, and, and to that point, there are some songs on here that really, really mean a lot to me. They are very poignant and deep. Yeah, there's a few on here that just really speak to me. So like I said, there's a special place for them for me. So I'm, I'm excited about this one. The irony for me on these records is Josh said it perfectly, right? 
Zach writes Black Rain musically for the most part. Kevin Churko helped out. And Kevin Churko and Adam Wakeman wrote the music for Scream, even though Gus G comes in and does all the lead work. But it's remarkable to me how similar the records are where Zach wrote most of the music on Black Rain. Even though Ozzy, after Black Rain, said he doesn't want to work with him anymore because it just sounds like Black Label Society, I can make an argument. I don't think this record sounds very Zach. It's way too modern sounding to me. I think that Ozzy kind of pushed him in a direction to be a little bit more modern. But you hear something like Digging Me Down, which is a great song, of course. I think it's probably the best songs, but we'll get into that. But that was a song that really should have been pushed because the metal fans would have ate that one up alive. But my point is, I just I don't hear a lot of differences in the riff writing between the two records. I think one thing the label has been missing out on for quite a while now with Ozzy Osbourne records is that his fans want heavy metal albums and they want heavy metal singles. And they're trying to push the radio-friendly rockers. Ever since No More Tears, that's kind of been the push, the radio-friendly rocker. But we were discussing that with the new record getting ready to come out. We really want that Tony Iommi track to be the lead single because we know it's going to be heavy. Gear it towards the Ozzy fan, the true Ozzy fan, not the casual radio listener. And that's how you're going to really draw in people to buy this new album coming up. I do think Under the Graveyard was a great opening track, though, for it was. Man. It's a great song. It was song. perfect. Uncle Steve mentioned a minute ago, awesome video. I thought the video was very eye-catching. And that's the video that like, even your wife would sit and watch it with you because it's kind of neat to watch the story unfold throughout the video, right? Stuff she like did. That. Neat, yeah. I want to just give a little counterpoint to what Josh was saying. I'm not sure if I 100% agree on what he was saying about how people don't want the rockers. Like, I don't want to stop because just looking at Spotify right now, I don't want to stop has 45 million lessons. And then the next closest song, not going away, that only has 5 million lessons. So that's a big gap. I think maybe because you guys are Aussie diehards, you're not seeing it through the eyes of Aussie casuals like, let's say, me or even people who are even more casual than me who only know the hits. And, you know, this song has been in like some commercials, video games. I think it was even in a wrestling event. Yeah, they played it live on Raw one night on WWE Monday Night Raw. So there you go. I mean, hey, maybe this is what the fans are craving. It's just not what like the hardcore fans are craving. Like people like us who like the really heavy stuff, that's what we want. But they do need that sort of radio singles too, because I have actually heard this song playing on the classic rock station. And the classic rock station where I live, it doesn't always get behind the new releases from older artists. Like, it's pretty rare that they add a new song to the rotation. So the fact that I've heard this one, I think it kind of does speak for the quality of I Don't Want to Stop as a single. That's an interesting point. Yeah, yeah, and I can agree with that. I mean, I Don't Want to Stop and Let Me Hear You Scream were both number one on the top 100 rock songs also. So they both went to number one. So really, while I'm bitching and moaning about it, I mean, what more can they really do but go to number one on the rock charts? So (laughs) And and both of them achieved that. So point taken. All right, so Black Rain was released in 2007, and it has Ozzy, Zach, Blasco on bass, and Mike Borden on drums. And obviously, Kevin Churko produced. Scream was released in 2010. It has Ozzy, Gus G on guitars, Blasco on bass, and Kevin Churko on drums, and Adam Wakeman on keyboards. It's something we remind the fans a lot. It says Tommy Clufettis played drums on the record, but it was actually Kevin Churko who played the drums. I will say by trade, Kevin Churko is a drummer first. That's his main thing. Yeah, he can play a little bit of everything, but that's his main thing. Yeah. yeah. Y'all did the episode a while back where you ranked the ballads. And when I did it, I know I set my list in and I just didn't put anything from these two albums. My list would have been extremely different had I listened to these because one thing 
I'll save that. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't want to. No, I don't no, want to. I don't want to no, say too much. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm don't spoil kidding. it for you later. But yeah, yeah, we're glad to hear that. You know, when Dan and I started this podcast, and I'd imagine you know your guys' podcast, Iron Maiden podcast, and you know Judas Priest. I'd imagine you all are the same way. We really wanted to inspire people to give Ozzy's music another listen. You know, not that we didn't think they were listening already. If you're listening to the podcast, you're obviously a fan. But that's a great example of what we strive for: is to have people like you who maybe loved Diary of a Madman and Bark of the Moon, but to come back and say, no, I've listened to Black Rain and Scream Closer now, and now I would rank those up there. That means a lot, man. That's really our main goal with the whole podcast in general. Aside from just having a kick-ass time talking Ozzy with everybody, but we really, that's what we discussed early on that we really wanted to achieve with this podcast. You're succeeding. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Listen, there's no question. In the canon of Ozzy Osbourne, does Black Rain and Scream rank towards the bottom of his catalog? Absolutely, they do. I'm not going to argue that, but his catalog is so fucking amazing. Something yeah, has to rank towards. Yeah, that's the problem. It's a good you know, problem. It, yeah, it's a good problem. So even though all three of us, me, Josh, and Ryan, rank these towards the bottom of his catalog, if not the bottom, it's still great records. You know, people just like to shit on things to shit on them. I think, and I feel the same way about Priest. A lot of people shit on Point of Entry, and that's why I went on Georgia's show to to support one of my favorite records of all time. And the same thing about Maiden. X Factor is one of my all-time favorite records. So I think there's these artists that get stuck in their own success. They can't get out of their way because they've released some of the best, not some of, they released the best records of all time. And it's hard to follow that up, but you got to listen to them individually. You can't compare fucking X Factor to peace of mind. It's just two different fucking worlds. You can't compare point of entry to sad wings of destiny they're just not even close or or screaming for vengeance so you just gotta listen to everything individually but these bands fucking continue to kill it i'll be honest i don't know if there's an album by priest and ozzy for sure that i have not loved loved even fucking nostradamus which probably would rank at the bottom of my priest list but sorry george but there are a couple of maiden records that i think i gotta revisit i have a couple of black rain and screams in the maiden catalog like final frontier I just don't know him very well. It's really George, good. You, George, you have a comment? I don't want to sort of get ahead of myself, but I was actually writing a note overall on my opinion of these albums. They are the two worst Aussie albums, but to add on to what Dan was saying, these being the worst Aussie albums for being the worst thing he's done, they're pretty darn listenable. Like they're not terrible by any stretch. Like Black Rain and Scream are miles and miles better than something like Super Collider by Megadeth or Demolition by Judas Priest, or it's not anywhere near something like St. Anger. Like these being the worst Aussie releases, his worst is just a mile ahead of some other of his peers worst work and some of that goes to sharon osborne because she's quality control a lot of people don't realize that ozzy has full albums that are on a shelf that's never been heard because sharon and quality control just said no and dan can verify some of that with me like there's full like we're <laughs> yeah. waiting for the day when some of this shit hits the market because it will at some point probably when it passes which will be sad but yeah there's been stuff that's literally full albums sitting on a shelf that's never been released because of quality control so maybe some of that goes to her for keeping the quality of his music on par because he definitely doesn't get to release it unless it's good enough but the comment that always irks me about like people like that like dan was talking about you know when he released ordinary man two years ago you're looking at a guy that's 71 years old and people online are actually bitching and saying this sounds nothing like diary of a madman well he's fucking 71 years old i mean what the 
fuck? You know, I just don't release diary of a madman. Go listen to it. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly I, I right. What people want sometimes, man. But yeah, it's these are definitely solid records for this state in his career. And not to mention, let's not forget this. Also, we mentioned that these are later in Ozzy's career, but he followed these two albums up with 13 by Black Sabbath and it went number one all over the right fucking great record definitely a good period here for ozzy a lot of uh songwriting and a lot of recording going on from 2007 to 2013 there's something to be said too about black grains and the scream and ordinary man and even down to earth and you know, a lot of people who why doesn't he get bob daisley back and jake e. Lee and do this giant collaboration but the, the thing is like in the 60s and 70s he's a solo artist at this point in, in the game he just wants to work with people he gets along with like, are we cool? Do we vibe? Do Can we have a laugh? Can we write together? And then just someone brings him a song, they write some shit, and he just goes to town. Like, I don't think he wants at this point, and I totally get it, not wanting to deal with trying to retread. And at this point, he just, he just wants to have fun in the studio. And I think when he's doing these albums, he is, because there's a fucking ton of energy on these songs. You know, whether the quality of the songs is subjective to each individual, but you can't say that the guy is not having a blast in the studio. And I think that's all he gives a shit about anymore. So that's kind of where he's at at this point in his life. Agreed, Ryan. Absolutely. But George, I digress. Demolition is much worse than Nostradamus. I forgot about it. (laughs) So I apologize. Might be for for the the best you forgot about it. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Gosh, I actually like Jugulator, though. Much better than Demolition. Yeah, way better. All right. Are we ready to get started with our battles? We are. Let's do it. All right, first up, we have the album openers. From Black Rain, we have Not Going Away, written by Ozzy, Zach Wilde, and Kevin Cherko, versus the epic Let It Die, which is written by Ozzy, Kevin Cherko, and Adam Wakeman. Josh, kick us off and get us started. These two songs, again, like we said a second ago, very similar in tone. They definitely mirror each other in a lot of ways for me. I definitely prefer Let It Die over Not Going Away. Not Going Away... The basic complaint about Scream is that it's kind of plodding and slow and just lacks energy. I think not going away screams lacks energy. There's just something about it that is just so slow. And for that to be the second single off the album and the only other single other than I Don't Want to Stop is really confusing to me. But for me, I go let it die on this one. Interesting. Ryan, what do you have? Yeah, I'm going to pretty much mirror what uh, Josh said. Um, you know, Not Going Away is one of my least favorite tracks on the album honestly just a little too chuggy and i think was the start maybe what ozzy saw after the fact and kind of what i felt in the process is zach this album is kind of like a culmination of maybe burnout for him you know just not going away to me is not a zach wild like ozzy osborne solo track it's just it's not and this one in particular just nothing about it says ozzy to me um it never has it's a weird choice as a single definitely let it die i love his little kind of rap verses um it's heavy as hell i love the little bits and pieces that gus did coming in and i actually find that to be a really fun track i like the video a lot too so definitely let it die all right george so that's interesting that y'all aren't really fans of not going away because i like that song in fact i think it's one of the best songs on black rain it's catchy all around the riff the chorus the solo and to me 
I like what Ozzy's singing about. It's an anthem of an aging rock star. And it hit me in sort of an interesting place. Being a teenager when this album came out and being into classic style metal and rock and growing up around going against the grain of what was popular music, I liked this sort of anthem like, hey, metal and rock is still around and it's still kicking ass and we're going to keep doing this for you because this is the music you love. It reminds me of another song, Judas Rising by Judas Priest, which is the opening track of the Angel of Retribution album, where they reunited with their classic lineup singer, Rob Halford. And it's that sort of anthem of a new era for the band or the artist, in this case, Ozzy. And to me, not going away, it definitely succeeds in that. Another thing I like about it, at three minutes, there's a slow part with some chanting, but it's short, and then it helps create a bigger impact when the chorus kicks back in. So for me, definitely one of the better songs on the album. Now, on the other hand, you've got Let It Die, and you said plotting, Josh. That is the big capitalized word in my notebook that I'm looking at right now. Let It Die is a plotting song. The verses are dull and the chorus doesn't elevate the song at all. And this damn song is six minutes long, and it takes like almost four minutes to get to that melodic passage from Gus that breaks up the monotony. So, hey, I yeah, like your I, argument. I like. I, your I guess argument. you know I, which song I'm going to vote. <laughs> yep. I already got your mark down. I do like your argument, though, about how not going away is an anthem of sorts of I'm not going away. Rock and roll is not going away. Solid point, man. That's some good shit. All right. What do you got, Steve? I wish I was as smart as George. <laughs> <laughs> not going away when it started. It You go back in time to, and I'm not this guy that says, oh, all the older albums are so much better. Like when George kept saying these are the worst, we have a way that we like to say it is maybe the least best because least best because these are good albums but i like the old days of starting us out with bark at the moon i don't know over the mountain you know the ultimate sin is a little more plotting but you know starting with miracle man and that little more quick paced of course what's the album that came out no one down to earth down Down to earth Earth. Earth starts with a more plotting yeah Yeah. so i'm not as a huge of a fan of that slower plotting start because i'm like wow this is kind of just a slower paced song to start the album off where but not going away i love i'm maybe one of the only people that never gets tired of hearing zach do the pinch harmonics the squeals all over i love that uh the pre-chorus is good the part uh that george was talking about the chanting part where it's it almost his voice is almost distorted and it builds up into that big crescendo into going into the chorus again i like that a lot let it die the intro's cool and i had to ask dan because i thought Zach was playing on this album because I was like, wow, this is the first thing I I wrote down was, man, this sounds just like a Black Label Society song to me. You know, just the but um, and then he was doing the squeals as well. You know, I like to call them the squeals. But unlike George, I love the whole I'm a rock star. I'm a dealer. It reminds me of um, is that I just want you where he kind of has all the. Yes, it reminds me of that, which I think is really cool. The chorus. I like the. I think the chorus is good in this one because it really builds up. There's a good solo section. That I'm reading notes over here if you can't tell. I've got a lot written down. I like this guitar solo because it's a nice, clean sound. It's a clean sounding solo. The solo's not too crazy. And then there's this heavier part that comes in after the solo. I'm not going to let this song die. So let it die for me. Awesome. Good choice. So 
I do like both songs, but I clearly lean one way. And you stole my thunder. I was going to compare Let It Die to I Just Want You. I feel like that's uh, exactly sorry. what he was trying to do. That's okay. They're a play on words. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah you know, I like that. I feel like Let It Die, I don't like, it's almost on the verses a little too rappy to me. And Ozzy doing, oh, or some bullshit in the background. He does that in a few songs that just doesn't do it for me. I love the chorus. I do think it's really good. But like George says, it does take a while to get in there. I would have to say my favorite part of the song is actually the instrumental section in the middle. I think Gus's solo is fucking amazing. It definitely is the highlight of the song. Then it kind of goes into that triplet children of the grave part after which is really cool and i wish ozzy would have sung over that and it kind of bums me out that he didn't but overall i think not going away is more memorable it's catchier i like the chorus better i like the verses way fucking better and i like that breakdown too i'm shocked josh it kind of reminds me a little bit of marilyn manson to me like he's really hitting that late 90s early 2000s vibe there and i think he does a really good job on it and i think the riff is better and not going away I think it's one of the rare riffs on later Ozzy songs, but I know it's plotting and slow and maybe it's not the best opener, but man, I love banging my head to it when it kicks in. I think it's got a great fucking groove, much better groove than when Let It Die has. So for me, I go Not Going Away. I've always viewed Not Going Away as one that Ozzy was probably heavy on the penmanship with also. I think he had a lot of the lyrics in this one came straight from Ozzy. He writes a lot about his love affair with the fans and his love affair with doing what he does and yeah, I'm not going away. Descent like gets me through on Down to Earth. Ozzy was heavy handed on writing that one also. So the winner of the last song battle was Let It Die as Josh, Ryan, and Steve picked and George and I were on Not Going Away. All right, up next we have the two singles. First up we have I Don't Want to Stop written by Ozzy, Zach Wild, and Kevin Churko from Black Rain and we have Let Me Hear Your Scream written by Ozzy and Kevin Churko. Ryan, why don't you get us started? Uh, I'm just going to say right off the bat I'm going to go with I Don't Want to Stop. I fucking love the whole like slow build little intro thing into the sax riff is one of my favorite that Zach's done in, in like the last probably 20 years. There's just so much energy to it. I remember seeing this tour a couple times. Ozzy opened with it. It just, it fit. It's it's kind of a play on not going away a little bit. It follows up in a, in a theme, but uh, there's just so much energy that the melody is killer. I, I liked it from Listen One back in 2007. And I do enjoy Scream. But to me, it's always felt like a song that was written specifically like, all right, we got to do a single. And, you know, and it works that way. But uh, it felt more manufactured where I Don't Want to Stop felt a bit more natural in the progression of the album. So, yeah, I Don't Want to Stop is my choice for sure. Nice. What about you, George? I have some similar feelings to Ryan, and I'm going to go with I Don't Want to Stop, much like the opener of Black Rain, Not Going Away, which I didn't mention before. I think that was the right choice to open the album because of the whole anthem category. And when it comes to I Don't Want to Stop, you're finding a lot of the same ground lyrically, like I'm going to keep doing this for you guys, the fans. I'm going to keep doing it for myself. And much like Not Going Away, I Don't Want to Stop is highly catchy and it has an incredible Zach Wilde solo and 
this is probably the best song on Black Rain. I think there's definitely a reason they pushed this one really hard to get it into WWE and the video games and all the other stuff that it was in. But the less that there is to be said about Let Me Hear You Scream, the better. Because just like Ryan said, this was manufactured to be a single and it doesn't sound like something authentic. You're right on the money. I'm going to go a step further and say that this is the worst solo Ozzy Osbourne song ever. It is so incredibly cheesy. And I know a lot of Ozzy is cheesy, but this is another level. The chorus makes me cringe so hard. And I, for one, hope that if Ozzy ever tours again, that he will leave this song the fuck alone because he could do much better uh, you know which song I'm going for in this battle. It's going to be I Don't Want to Stop. Ouch. Harsh. All right, Josh, what do you got? Damn, George, tell us how you really feel. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I always will. You'll always get that with me. Let me hear you scream. You guys mentioned that it had a manufactured sound. I think that's because it did have a manufactured sound. Coming away from Black Rain, as we said a second ago, the overall feel of that record for most fans was that it was plodding, slow, two down tempo. It never really had energy. And I think when they released Let Me Hear You Scream as a single, they purposely released a song that they knew was blistering fast with tempo, had a lot of energy, never lets up. So I do think they manufactured it that way on purpose to show that this is the anti-Black Rain sound. Because that was the whole hype coming into Scream was this album has way more energy than Black Rain does. That was a lot of the hype coming into the release. That said, Gus G's guitar solo Let Me Hear You Scream is fucking blistering, man. That guy is such a good damn player. He's so underrated. What I'm in love with is his guitar tone. His guitar tone on the solos is so fucking good. But when I put these songs head to head, I Don't Want to Stop is my winner also. I absolutely love the intro, kind of like Ryan mentioned a minute ago, how it builds up. It sounds almost like Desire a little bit on the intro of it, but it has an industrial feel. So it's like a modern yes. day Desire intro that bleeds into that fucking, that riff is really fun also, man. The main riff is really fucking cool. And like George said, Zach's guitar solo, and I don't want to stop, is absolutely fucking top notch. It's one of the best Zach solos in a long, long time. So for me, it's I don't want to stop. So I'm going to disagree quite a lot here. It's fucking funny. I told these guys, oh, we probably have the exact same choices. Here we go. We don't even have one choice of the same. That's the magic of Ozzy. I think the riff, uh, let me hear you scream, is a thousand times better than I don't want to stop. That riff is fucking amazing. And if you're a guitar player, try playing it. It's fucking hard. It's one of the best riffs Ozzy had in a long time. It's awesome. It's probably the best riff off the scream outside of maybe digging me down. It is a killer fucking riff. And I think Ozzy sounds more passionate more vibrant. I love the chorus and I think the verses are much better on Let Me Hear You Scream. I think he's got a much better energy. Gus's solo is fucking awesome and real tight on it and I Don't Want to Stop is a fine song but Ozzy's a little whiny on the verses for me and the hook is fine. It's catchy. They're very similar but I will say this. I don't think either song is all that great. If I want to talk the truth about both of these records, both of these songs would be in the mid for me. Scream is surely not my least liked song of all time george and i don't want to stop is clearly not my favorite off these two records but i think i can name you probably five aussie songs that are way worse than scream for me i think scream's energy is better it was great live and i think ozzy just sounds more vibrant on it i think his melody is a little bit better what do you think steve as we talked about earlier these two albums were lined up so similarly the fast single is number two on the album obviously i don't want to stop and i agree with what josh said he said it has it's 
it's not hard, heavy industrial, but it, there's a definite industrial feel on the way it builds in. And I love the pinch harmonics that Zach is doing on that. that it's just, it's so killer. There's a great melody line in there. Um, there's a great chorus. What I did is I put all the songs in a playlist and I just did one and one, two and two, three, three, four. So I could think, okay, do I like this one or that one, this one or that one? And so I'm listening to it after I've listened to both albums individually and I'm going, this is going to be tough to beat. You know, I've already heard it a few times. This is going to be a hard one to beat. And I mean, I'm talking, that song's playing. I'm moving. I'm just, I can't stop moving. I'm like, so then Let Me Hear You Scream comes on and it's similar. It's, it's fast. It's catchy. It's got a great riff in it. I wrote the exact same thing. It's got a catchy beat. It makes you move. And the melodies are great. I love the way he that he's chugging the guitar while Ozzy's singing the verses, you know? I wrote, I, this is a very tough one, but I went with... Uh, Dan, let me hear you scream if I agree with you. All right, baby. <laughs> See that? What were you going to say, George? And the one thing I forgot to say, hearing Ozzy say go hard or go home in the chorus, that makes me cringe too. It just sounds I'll so much <laughs> like grandpa trying to keep up with the kids. It's like when your parents start using like the slang terms that you use. It's like, no, no, please don't. Don't try and be cool like us. It just doesn't work, guys. It does work, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I like it a lot. I have to say, I think the songs are very close. I mean, Hear You Scream is a great song, but I just like Scream just a tiny bit more. Yeah, they're very close for me also. And you mentioned the lyrics, George. This song actually underwent like nine different lyric changes. There's apparently like a million different versions of this song in demo form. And when we had Gus G on the show, he told us that the song was originally called Superman is Dead. And if you hum it in your head, you can hear that in the melody. Superman is dead. So apparently that was the working title for that and the working arrangement lyrically. So we'd hopefully hear that one day down the road also. I'd like right. that better, maybe. Superman is dead. Yeah, I think that's a cool title too. That one was again three to two. Josh, Ryan, and George had I Don't Want to Stop, where Steve and Dan had Let Me Hear You Scream. Again, I'm on the wrong side of the victory here, but three to two. So this is showing you how competitive this record is. So right now we have it one to one. Let it die one the last one. Up next, we should have had the Battle of the Title Tracks because Scream's original title was called Soul Sucker. Actually, Soul Sucka. But after fan mm. irritation, Ozzy went back and changed it to Scream. So the first up from Black Rain is Black Rain, written by Ozzy, Zach Wilde, and Kevin Churko. And Soul Sucker is written by Ozzy and Kevin Churko. George. This is one of the more competitive battles on this set of albums for me because i think these are both pretty darn good songs so for black rain i like the melody going on in the beginning and this is another one that has a good build-up because 35 seconds the drums kick in and then 50 seconds in the riff kicks in and it rules and the song doesn't get repetitive it keeps changing things up on you a little you get the marching after the three minute mark i like the middle easterny kind of sounding melody that you get at the three and a half minute mark so the song goes through a few different changes and that keeps it sort of fresh throughout i generally like pretty much everything about this black rain title track it's good but i think soul sucker is even better and soul sucker is probably the best song on screen for me the beginning where ozzy sings soul sucker in that slowed down voice it's badass. I could listen to that all day. This song gets stuck in my head a lot. The soul sucker. That gets stuck in my head. Very solid riffing from Gus G. And I like the regular chorus too. So I'm going to pick Soul Sucker, even though both are some pretty good songs. Yeah, I think those are solid points. What about you, Josh? 
luckily for us as fans, Soul Sucker didn't wind up with the album title. That would have been so bad. So bad. Soul Sucker, maybe. But anyway, for me, I love Soul Sucker, man. Again, it's got the good heavy energy to it. It's not overly plotting, but it does have a good heaviness to it. Definitely a heavy metal song. Love the riffage. Love Gus's tone on it. But Black Rain, for me, has always been a track that just stood out off of the Black Rain record. I just think the Aussie's melodies are through the roof. They're just so fucking catchy. The lyrics are catchy. And I've just always really enjoyed this one. And for the longest time, I thought I was the only person on earth who really liked this one as much as I do until I met Dan and Ryan. And they also love this song. So (laughs) I'm not alone. But for me, I go with Black Rain. All in all, I really love the melodies in that song. And they just put it over the top for me. What about you, Ryan? I cannot say enough good about the track Black Rain. Maybe a top five, like 21st century songs for sure. I just think Ozzy back in Harmonica, always, you know, a crowd pleaser for I, I wish he did it more often. I fucking love the harmonizing on the chorus with Zach in the background. Another thing that I wish happened more often because I think they their voices just complement each other beautifully. I love when they were together on Stillborn and it kind of this kind of plays off that a little bit with that as the chorus kicks in. Yeah, it just I love it. It's so melodic. It's so different for an Ozzy track also. I like Soul Sucker. I love the little like bridge section is amazing the solo is beautiful but there's just so much going on in black rain melodically the only thing missing is they're lazy for some reason on a solo with that middle eastern cadence but uh yeah black rain is my choice fucking love it where do you go steve first off on soul sucker is i thought that was like a talk box thing he was doing at the beginning of it is that yeah. is that actually ozzy oh it's ozzy for sure he could be talking to a talk box okay okay i was yeah. just like i thought that was it's interesting Black Rain, you know, like uh, like George said, it's got that build up at the beginning, which is really cool. And then that riff kicks in and it's killer riff. Lyrically, the song, it reminds me of War Pigs. You're still in my thunder again. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It. No, I but love it. That's good. If I'm tying in with you, then I'm tying in with the elite Aussie that's fans right. here. So that's good. But yeah, the lyrics are really gave me that vibe of War Pigs. The thing in the middle, I thought it sounded a little... And I know it probably isn't, but I always thought it sounded like a little bagpipey, you know, where it has that little sound that he's like, black rain, black rain. That is so, that is very cool. Uh, I like the solo. It's like a low key solo from Zach of all people, you know, which you don't get many low key solos where he doesn't just rip it up. I really like that. Um, And then the section at the end of the song where it just really speeds up. Like, I was like, that's a very Black Sabbath-y type of thing to do, you know? Let's have this all kind of mid-paced stuff, and then all of a sudden the song speeds back up, and then it goes back into that. The the intro goes back into the outro, basically, and very cool. Soul Sucker, like I said, starts off with a really cool talk box sounding thing. A lot slower pace, so these songs aren't like the last two uh, that we did, you know, where they're not really the same type of pace. But then there's a pace uh, about halfway through the song where he really is chugging on the guitar. It's so good. But for me here, um, the black rain is falling. Nice. And again, I went last. <laughs> Contaminating the ground. Yeah. Damn right. <laughs> black so, rain just has some killer fucking lyrics, dude. A flag dripped over a coffin. Another soldier is dead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's so many great lines in that song. Well, when he says, what is the price <laughs> of a bullet? I mean, that's, yeah. that's yeah. some powerful stuff. I think you guys are spot on with the lyrics. I think Black Rain is maybe the best set of lyrics off of both records outside of maybe one of the ballads here and there because the ballads are awesome. But from the hard rock part of the records, I think the Black Rain lyrics are fucking incredible. For sure. And, you know, they are kind of a continuation 
situation of war pigs and, you know, really talking about the price of war and is it worth, you know, sacrificing our, our soldiers. And I just think it's really, really well done. I really was going to mention, I love the low key solo because Zach just doesn't do it very much. And I love the fact that it's not the same old, same old Zach, where it's just shred a million miles an hour and put a pinch harmonic here and there. I think it's really cool. It's got that almost Beatle-ish vibe to me. And we know Ozzy loves the Beatles, but that breakdown definitely has got that Beatle vibe where it's kind of Middle Eastern, you know, and obviously the Beatles bring a lot of Middle Eastern stuff into their sound. So I love that Black Rain breakdown. It's incredible. Obviously, Ozzy plays a little harmonica on Black Rain, which is always fucking cool to see him doing that. On the other side, for Soul Sucker, I think it's maybe my favorite chorus off of the Scream record. That Stop Talking to Me Just Like I Don't Even Bleed. Yeah. The cross is heavy when you're my soul sucker. Fuck, I love that melody, man. <laughs> yes, Every time it's on, I just want to bang my head against the wall. It's fucking incredible. And that, again, they kind of reminisce that Children of the Grave part on the uh, middle eight with I'm Just a Solitary Man Who Wants to Live. Really cool up-tempo riff that I love when Ozzy does changes like that. That's very Sabbathy to me as well. But at the end of the day, if you would have asked me a year ago, I would have said Soul Sucker by a large margin. But something has happened over the last year, probably Josh and Ryan's influence, but Black Rain has become one of Ozzy's best modern songs. And I think Ozzy vocally sounds like a god on Black Rain. When people talk about Ozzy not being able to sing, they're just not listening, man. He sounds so fucking good, so emotional. Everything about Black Rain is so good, including that chug, that riff at the end, man. It comes out of nowhere. Definitely Black Rain for me. George? Pretty sure I already went. Uh, oh, okay. Maybe you didn't. Total. <laughs> okay. I, was, I was thinking you didn't. <laughs> Who's the old yeah, one here now? Who's the old one here, Dan? It ain't us, is it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, George picked Soul Sucker. I got him. He went first. So okay. to recap that one, we have... Black Rain winning four to one. It's our first non three to two battle, but uh, George nice. was the lone soul sucker. That's a painful one because I texted Ryan and Josh and said this was my toughest battle going yeah, in. Soul yeah, it, this is fucking tough, man, because I love Soul Sucker. But this, this one next was battle, tough. the next one, one was worse. tougher. And the next one is even tougher. You got you know, it. I agree. I think we touched on it. Great lyrics mixed with great melody on um, Black Rain. And that's really what you want out of an Ozzy Osbourne song. Melodies is what Ozzy has made a 50-year career on. And like you said, possibly the best set of lyrics with possibly the best melody right there together on that one track. So it's kind of hard to beat that. Yeah, it's great. So next up, we have from Black Rain, Lay Your World on Me, written by Ozzy, Zach Wilde, and Kevin Churko against Life Won't Wait, written by Ozzy and Kevin Churko. All right, I'm going to change it up a little bit here. Steve, you are up first. I'm so glad that you chose me to go first on this one. (laughs) (laughs) This is definitely, so far, the toughest of all the songs to choose from. I was listening, you know, I had them in order again. One, two, one, two, one, two, as I went through. And, okay, first ballad on the album, and it's a great song. It It starts a little dark for the ballad, which is very cool. It's obviously a song kind of of regret, like maybe that Ozzy wasn't there when he needed to be, but he's willing to be there. Something we can all, I think, probably uh, associate with. But this is a really, really good ballad. I think as an old school guy that got into Ozzy in the mid 80s, I think his ballads are getting better and better as he goes along. You know, it's, it's not like, oh, well, the stuff on Diary or Blizzard is better. That the, These rank right up there with him, no doubt. But yeah, really, really excellent song. I said, this is going to be very tough to beat. 
And then the next song starts, I'm like, wow, this is even going to be really just, it's tough on both of them. It starts a bit up more beat. Ozzy vocally, I think sounds awesome. I like that the chorus gets heavier and loud. I like the double snare hit that they're kind of, it's just kind of dun, 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 I like it after the solo and it slows back down into that life won't wait for you, my friend part. So, so good. Ozzy just, Ozzy is one of the best guys for um, feel. His emote, so many, Bruce Dickinson is a great singer, but Bruce Dickinson, you don't get emotion from like you get from Ozzy. He's so good at it. And these songs, man, the lyrics, you know, don't waste your time, make the most of your time. It's a great message. This is very difficult as well. I'm going life won't wait. Wow, this is such a great episode. Yes, we call it vulnerability. Ozzy sounds so vulnerable yeah. right there. Absolutely. Dance that a lot on the show. Yeah. Absolutely. What do you say, Ryan? This was the first hardest one for me. I think we all, the three of us, talked about this a little bit. Steve nailed it for sure. It's just the way that Ozzy manages to capture emotion. And it sounds dumb, but it's almost like you can, in some of his deliveries, you can like see tears in his eyes in the way that he. It's just letting it out in the middle of a chorus or, or, or a line or whatever. Both of these songs have that. But there's something so different and dark and menacing, but with like this kind of strangely very upbeat content and layer world on me that just really resonates. And I tend to be a, a sucker in that a lot of ballads kind of make me think about my wife in various ways. And this track, probably, probably more than any of them in the 15 years we've known each other so it just has a lot of personal meaning for me and then just bridge is just absolutely gorgeous zach doesn't have a whole lot going on in the guitar but when he does it's it just like there's this like this crying tone to it and I, there's just so much emotion built into it lay your world on me but by far by far ryan yeah. when you say you listen to this song and you think about your wife do you use your left hand or your right hand for that <laughs> I, I use my feet <laughs> Foot fetish, nice. <laughs> Hands free. <laughs> so I'll go next, and I'll be honest, I don't have an answer. This battle is so hard for me. I literally texted these guys earlier today and said, I listen to them back to back, and every time one's on, I go, I'm going that one. Then the next one's on, and I'm going, I'm going that one. And I, I just, I don't really know. They're, they're so close. And God, Lay Your World on Me is really special because of, of the message about his wife. And we know that one was written about Sharon. And I, I just think it's a gorgeous melody. And I think Ozzy, again, sounds super vulnerable on it. Give me your pain. Give me your anger. Let me be your rock. I can be the pillar of strength that you need. Whew, I'm going to get choked up just talking about it. I'll help you keep it together. It's better late than never. Lay Your World on Me. I can take the weight. That is a great fucking lyric, man. It's so good. But Ryan said, too, we all laugh and we all cry. We all hurt the same inside. That bridge. God, it's so, it's just amazing. I, That's I think the best part. So, this song is so underrated. And it might have should have been on my best ballads list now that, you know, Ozzy's just got a lot of great ballads and he's got a great outro. I hope to keep, you know, that whole layer rolled on me and he hits that nice note. Uh, some of the things I like about these records, Ozzy's not overdoing it vocally. Like the note he hits is not unbelievable. It's, it's, a, it's a great little note that he hits. The Life Will Wait is fucking fun it's got a great message it's also very modern it sounds like something i would have written and i mean that hopefully in the greatest compliment in the world mm -hmm. I, I love the chorus and i think vocally ozzy sounds even better on this track i think you know that every second you throw away every minute of every day don't get caught in a memory because life won't wait for you my friend that's such a great lyric too and 
And so I really go back and forth here. I'm going to lean, and I'm changing because I had something else marked here, but (laughs) I'm going to lean Lay Your World on Me because only because the stand-up stay true. That's not my favorite part of the song. I think think the verses are better and the chorus is better. So for that little tiny bit, I'm going to lean Lay Your World on Me. George. So we all know Ozzy can do a mean ballad, and I like this one quite a bit. The message in Lay Your World on Me is relatable. So, okay, I know that it's already been said that Ozzy wrote it for Sharon, but I do think that lyrics are open to your own interpretation as well, and you can adapt them a little more broadly if you see something in there, a situation that you yourself are in. And to that end, you know, a lot of what is being described in Way Your World on Me, the whole let me be your rock. I can be your pillar of strength and I can take the weight. Don't let it twist you up inside. It doesn't have to just be about your personal relationship with your spouse or your significant other. You know, there's a lot of those similar themes you can apply to a strong bond of friendship. Everyone needs help at some point. No one has a straight path through life. A lot of people are going to take on more than they can handle and not reach out and they end up struggling even more because they try to solve all their problems on their own and they couldn't handle it. And I'm guilty of that. I've been on the other side where I've had friends who struggled through something and they didn't tell me until later. And it kills me because I know that I would have done everything I could to help them. It's just the point of you think you don't want to tell your friends about your problems because you don't want to be a burden on them, but that's exactly what your friends are for. You can lay your world on them. That's why I think the message of this song is so amazing. And I'm going to say all that and not choose it as the winner because life won't wait is even better. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Life won't wait is another great track. It's very dynamic. And I like dynamic. The song starts soft. Then at 40 seconds, the heavy part comes in. Stay strong. Stay true. And then at 50 seconds, you're back to the soft part. It keeps you on your toes. I kind of like that. There's a nice tease of the heaviness for 10 seconds. There's something about it that clicks for me. It's like I'm eating a salad with steak on it. You know, I'm being healthy. I'm getting my vegetables. But then every few bites, I get to reward myself with a bite of steak. And this is another song with catchy vocal lines. As we've all said, this was the hardest battle. I'm going to go. Life won't wait. But these are both great. All right, Josh, take us home, baby. I got to say, I really enjoy George's analysis of lyrics. He really sees things from a different angle than most people. I kind of enjoy that, man. Like, I've never heard that song and thought about anything other than a relationship being like a boyfriend girlfriend relationship and then you twist that to be a friendship it could be you know suicidal awareness anything and it's like wow you know you really could use it in that perspective and that's great man it's good analyzing of that to really take it from, from a different yeah. angle for me this was not the hardest battle i love both of these songs obviously aussie ballads are the shit we discuss it on the show all the time i like what uncle steve said earlier about how you know even going back to the early Aussie days, his ballads now are as good or better than the old ones. You know, I agree with that 100%. He is such a ballad guy these days, and he writes such good ballads. I do love Lay Your World on Me. Again, that bridge that Ryan mentioned is just so fucking catchy. 
But for me, Life Won't Wait is the clear winner of this one because it's just so fucking good, man. George mentioned I love the dynamics of it. I love Ozzy's melody. No sleight of hand, no twist of fate, no ever after. When it's done, it's done. We'll fight to the bitter end because life won't wait. Life won't wait for you, my friend. I love the message of, you know, living life today. Tomorrow's not promised. Let's, you know, let's enjoy life while we can. And one other thing that I really enjoy about this song is Gus G's guitar tone. I'm going to mention it yet again. It's just so fucking good, man. I wish I'm a guitar player. I wish I could get Gus's guitar tone down because he really has a beautiful, beautiful sound on this album. Life won't wait. Excellent choice. Again, we have a three to two battle. This one, Ryan and I had Lego World on me while Josh, George, and Steve had Life Won't Wait. So here we go right there with having the special guests on. It just would have changed the winner of that track since Ryan and I had Lego World on me. Dan, have you won a match yet? Yes, Black, <laughs> Black Rain. Okay, you've won one. Okay, Yeah, I've won one. Josh and Dan aren't matching up on every song right now. It's it, 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 yeah. that usual mantra. I know. We've only matched <laughs> once. It's <laughs> would have the exact same fucking list. No shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's funny, a year ago we wouldn't have ever matched on Black Rain. All right. Up next we have the Epics. The first one we have the Almighty Dollar written by Ozzy and Kevin Churko. So Zach Wilde does not get a credit on this song from Black Rain against Digging Me Down, written by Ozzy, Kevin Churko, and Adam Wakeman. George, why don't you start us off? I'll tell you what I like about the Almighty Dollar first. I like how they give the bass some time to shine in the verses. There's no shortage of amazing musicians who have worked with Ozzy, and Blasco is one of them. So I'm glad that he gets a little action in this song. And I think the bass is one of the highlights here. I could do without the screechy new metal guitars. It just comes across to me like grandpa trying to do what the kids are doing and not really getting it, or maybe even more like getting in on a trend while it's already dying. Like for any of you listeners, were you ever the last kid in your school to get into Pokemon or the last one to buy a fidget spinner or a super soaker or whatever toy was popular? You want to find out what the fuss is about, but you got there a little too late and it's already on the decline. And that's what playing new metal in 2007 is. It's also the longest song on the album. Like you said, I like the chugging in it. I think the piano part could have been trimmed just a little bit. Digging Me Down is six minutes as opposed to Almighty Dollar, which is seven minutes. In Digging Me Down, that could have been trimmed a little too. I don't really need the first minute and 10 seconds where they're just fucking around and making noise. But the song does get cool once you get to the riff. Really cool. The part in between the first two verses with the uh, uh, is fun. And I think that would probably make a good sing-along if it was played live. You've got a good transition from the solo into a soft, moody part. And then the chugging comes back in and it kicks ass. Dig Me Down is a great song. Even though it's a little overly long, it's still the better of the two in this battle for me. All right. What do you got, Josh? We affectionately refer to that middle section as the no rest for the wicked part in that song because it sounds very no rest for the wicked in that one little, those, those few bars right there, and it does it twice in the song. The Almighty Dollar for me has always been a song that really stood out on Black Rain. For a long time, I might have even called it my favorite song on the record, but I have to admit it slid a lot in the last few years. Kind of like George said, I love that the bass, that slight bass in the intro is a little bit different, kind of stands out. I always love the epic style songs from Ozzy. I love those good six and seven minute tracks, man, that just kind of go a few different directions. I like the melodies in that one. But Digging Me Down is a complete behemoth. 
I fucking love this song. The, the riff was actually written by Adam Wakeman. We found out here on the show, which I thought was really neat. To think Ozzy's keyboard player with that fucking cool riff is kind of neat, you know? Just love this one, man. Love the energy of it. Like that middle section you were talking about. And that's it's such an Ozzy sound right there. Like when you hear that, you instantly go back to classic Ozzy, No Rest of the Wicked, just instantly. Love the lyrical content, the melodies. Digging Me Down really could have been a really good single, I think, off this record. But maybe I'm just the metal guy looking for the metal single. I don't know. But just really always loved this one. It always stood out. So I go Digging Me Down. All right, I'll go next. And for me, Digging Me Down is probably the best song off of both of these records. From a rock standpoint, Digging Me Down, I think just it hits all of the right buttons for me. I kind of agree, George, that intro, they're trying to be Killer of Giants slash Diary of a Madman. It's just not there. I wouldn't mind not being there. Sometimes I even fast forward it. Yeah, so I think that they were just trying to say, hey, let's do a, a cool classic acoustic classical intro. But for me, it's just not as cool as... Killer of Giants or Diary of a Madman for sure. Man, Digging Me Down's got a great riff. I love the lyrics too, questioning God and Jesus. And best part of the song for me, and it's my favorite part probably of both of these records, is that outro, you know, How Will I Know You, Mr. Jesus Christ, if you've already been here once or twice, The Son of Man or Obsolete <clears throat> Facade. This line, every time Ozzy sings it, I fucking chill is how will I know that you're the son of God and that, yeah, so good. That is so classic Ozzy. And the fact that it's got the bridge at the end, like Mr. Crowley, it harks back to early Ozzy days. The chorus is fucking great. Ozzy sings with that aggressive voice, you know, really digging deep on those vocals with that digging me down, digging me down and keeping me down. It's it's such a great fucking song. And, and nothing against Almighty Dollar. I think Almighty Dollar is a, a good song. It's solid. A very, very good song. I really love the pre-chorus. Burn into the air and atmosphere, watching the rain come down, turn your head away, ignore the fear, watching the ice crash down. Right into that smack dab into that chorus. Our father's justice gets closer. How could you fuck us all over? Ozzy's delivery, again, is fantastic. Again, lyrically, it's very Revelation, Mother Earth, part two or part three by this point, You know, talking about how we fuck over the planet. So again, I think another great set of lyrics. Unfortunately, Almighty Dollar just happened to go against Digging Me Down, which is just too much of a behemoth to be beaten. So Digging Me Down. Dan, can I pick it back something you said right there? You mentioned Ozzy's delivery on the outro lyrics. Hey, well, I know that you're the son of God, right? But really, the part that really sinks home is when he goes, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just, it fits so well. Hey, well, I know that you're the son of God. Yeah. Just, I love that part, man. It's fucking so okay. classic Ozzy for sure. All right, Steve, what do you got? I like the slap bass on Almighty Dollar. I think that's a cool. It's interesting. It's different. It is. And I, I got to say, when I just saw the name of the song, I just thought, this is going to be crap. Just, just that sounds like a stupid name for a song. Like, you know, as someone who didn't even hear anything on the albums yet, thinking, oh, these albums just aren't any good. And and I listened to it, and I'm like, the melody, the the pre-chorus, you know, where that whole vibe changes from the way he's singing the verses is so so good. And, and then the chorus, like you said, is so different. It's so different for Ozzy. This, this, I don't know. I don't know that there's other songs that he has that sound quite like this. But I really like it, and I, I feel like like what Josh said the first time. You know, when he was first into it, it really stood a lot higher. Well, I'm first into it right now too. So, but then the unfortunate pairing here. I think this is the most unfortunate pairing on the album 
because these songs are both so incredibly strong. So for sure. The ba- I mean, you know, I can almost say that for almost every song on the album. There's so many great pairings. This this has, you know, like you said, the intro. It's got the great acoustic intro. It builds up it, it, and it shifts over. It gets really heavy. One of the things I love about uh, Digging Me Down is that where the double bass and the riff is playing together. So, so, so good. And then the after the chorus bit where it's dunna, 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 ah, uh, and that, yeah. that, that, that takes me back to like the, the little vocal thing that you would hear in Diary of the Mad Men or, you know, song like that. Both really, really, really strong songs. And I wrote down um, most any other song on this album would easily win if I wasn't picking the almighty dollar, baby. Whoa. Nice. You just nice. blew my mind. Nice. <laughs> All right, Ryan, what do you got? Yeah, I agree. This, this, this is a big battle, but, you know, it was just no hesitation on my part. I disagree with George and Dan about the intro to Digging Me Down. I think it is fucking gorgeous. It fits. It's different. And it just, you know, I don't think I've ever skipped it once. I just, I, I fucking love it. And then it's so damn heavy and it's so different. The The lyrical content is just, holy shit. Like you think of like a lot of the death metal and the black metal stuff that i've listened to over the years and i still listen to you know none of that writing even comes close to like the the questioning faith in god and being you know jesus being real and it just it really gets your mind kind of thinking and that's just one of those songs where i got i fucking wish that i was sitting in the studio when ozzy was belting these verses out because i think it's his most aggressive that he had been since osmosis and then even before, then, like probably since sabotage, like he is fucking belting it out. You can just hear there's so much like to just like gravel in his delivery, and would never be able to replicate it live. But who gives a fuck? Like I just, it still would have been cool to see that attempted. I have so much love for this song. So I, and I enjoy Almighty Dollar, but it's just it's not even close. Digging me down for sure. Would Would y'all say that these lyrics are kind of harken back to After Forever a bit? Yes, maybe, absolutely. Maybe not as, yeah, but maybe on the opposite side of the spectrum. I think After sure, Forever sure. is a little bit pro-religion, where this yeah, one sure. yeah. has the opposite of that. But yeah, yeah. it's a good call. Yeah. On the intro, too, though, I do agree with Ryan that it needed some kind of intro. Like You couldn't just go into that riff cold. You know, that riff comes in so heavy. I'm so-so on the intro myself. And you can hear him. It's actually, I think that's actually Kevin Churko playing the intro, maybe Kane Churko. Was it not Adam? Oh, it was Adam. He told us. Yeah, that, he did yeah, tell us that. Adam. Adam. Yeah, yeah. But you can hear him breathe. <laughs> you can always hear him take a breath. I always hear that really, like, to me, that amplifies in my head when I hear it for some reason. You hear him take a breath in there. But it had to have some kind of intro. So I guess it's, it was good for what it was because it definitely needed something. And that one was a digging me down win, four to one over Almighty Dollar. So I finally got another win under my belt. <laughs> so that one, I thought we were going to have our first sweep. Steve threw a really good monkey wrench into it. That's a cool call, Steve. Thank you. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get any sweeps today, Dan. Yeah, which shocks me. That mm. Typically, we have a lot of them. but I think we will. These albums are just so paired up so well, though. I mean, I, I think there's one are. that is an absolute sweep, and I'll be floored if it doesn't happen. And I'll tell you what that is in a little bit. All right. Up next, we have 11 Silver from Black Rain, written by Ozzy. Zach and Kevin Churko against Crucify, written by Ozzy, Kevin Churko, and Kane Churko. So why don't we go ahead and have uh, Ryan start this one? I'll start with Black Rain and, the, and with Eleven Silver. This song has never really done anything for me, and I I don't know. 
how this is going to go as far as the group. None of it sticks out. You know, as he does solid on the chorus, he sounds really good. And the melodies are, are decent. I personally find Zach to be a little lazy on the track. Not a whole lot going on that I am really a big fan of. On the opposite of that, Crucify has been like a sleeper track since like the day I bought the album. And with a set of headphones, listening to Ozzy's delivery still gives me chills. There's such a sinister vibe to his delivery that I really, I, I can't think of another track that he does it. It's eerie as fuck. Like it, it, it's almost something like you'd hear to me, like it's something you'd hear like in a horror movie, like a, a trailer or, a, or, or something. It's just, it's very different for him. It's almost like, you know, he kind of tuned into something that happened to him previously. And I know that the, the theme of it is kind of like lawyers and getting, you know, fucking over and, and this and that. And it's very biting the story, the lyrics, and it just fits what Ozzy delivered in, in, in his performance. I don't think this track is enough, enough credit. I, I, I can't get enough of it. I'm going crucified. All right. I'm going to go next and I'm going to kind of piggyback on what you're saying, but I'm going to disagree on something here that you did say, Ryan. And that is, I actually think Zach's guitar solo on 11 silver. It's mind blowing. That first half is his version of over the mountain. It is so goddamn technical and so good. And he's picking all those notes and it's fucking a motherfucker to play too. It's awesome. So I do think the solo in 11 silver is very good, but overall I do agree. I think the song, it's a fine song. It's not great. I think the chorus is pretty cool. The one time to take away all the pain and kind of goes into that straight time beat by Mike Borden, which is pretty cool comparing it to crucify. It's not even close to me. Crucify is exactly what you said, an unknown Aussie classic. It is a gem from the melodies to the lyrics to the music. Vocally, Aussie sounds great, but I'm going to tell you, I actually think lyrically the song is about the devil. If you really listen to the lyrics, it's talking about how the devil is going to eventually get you if it's in your politicians or the Bible or heroes and been here forever. I'm your oldest friend until I pull on the trigger. The fun never ends or you know that middle section. I've been around here a long, long time. I'll be around until your soul is mine. Fucking Gus plays this little guitar lick right after that. That gives me goosebumps every time I hear it. It's not overly complex, but fuck is it catchy. It's that little lick that he plays. And God, I can listen to it all day. Exactly. It's so good. And I think Crucify beats this with a knockout. I think Crucify all the way. I agree 100% about the solo. I was wrong in that. It's just the rest of the song doesn't get me. And I'm going to find the article because I'm 99% sure that I saw it was an interview with I'm pretty sure it was Kevin Jerko. I just, I want to say that Crucify was like a, a lawyer politician was like what they were striving for. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. I'm going to try and find it and I'll send it to you guys. Yeah, that'd be great. But if you read the yeah. lyrics, it totally screams devil to me. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I could see that too, for sure. I yeah. can see both sides of that. And it could be like Ozzy and Kevin worked on this together. Maybe Ozzy's coming from the devil perspective and Kevin's coming from a lawyer perspective. Or, you know, maybe it's a little bit of both. Who knows? Why don't you go ahead, Josh? Uh, 11 Silver for me has always been attractive. Like Ryan just said, it's never clicked, man. I remember the first time I heard this album, even the first time in all my Aussie glory of jamming this record for the first time, I was kind of like, what the fuck on this one? I did not like the way the vocals was processed, that watery kind of sound. Just never a fan of it. It just never did much for me. Very basic in the chorus. One time to take away all pain. Yeah, this boring... As boring as Ozzy Osbourne can be for me, put it that way. 
because do I still love it and still, do I still listen to it? Of course. But compared to Crucify, like you guys said, an underrated gem in the catalog. My touch thickens your blood. I know the things that you love. My voice swallows the purest heartbeat. I'm your counterfeit friend. I'll still be here till I crucify you. I'll crucify you again. Eleven Silver has fucking nothing that can touch that. That is just so fucking cool, man. Crucify is a great song. And listeners, if you're not overly familiar with this one, go give it another good listen because it is probably the (laughs) underrated track of the album. Crucify for me. What do you got, Steve? Eleven Silver obviously could be the quickest paced song on the album, speed-wise. I like the chorus, uh, what Josh was saying he didn't like, but I wrote, I wrote the line that I mean, I didn't look at the lyrics, but what I wrote, what doesn't take away my pain is one of the kind of one of the lines that that kind of vibe that he's going for. And y'all both play guitar. Uh, the, that thing, uh, I think you alluded to this, Dan, but uh, the thing that he does at the beginning of the guitar. So it was like it's it's like a, a descending thing. That is so bad. I like God. That it's is, the highlight of the song. Yeah. It's, and it's, you may be right on that lyric. I'm well known for fucking lyrics. Up, so. well, that, that could be just one of the lyrics. I just yeah. I thought it was something he's saying. I wrote it down so I could, because I'm hearing all of these songs. They're, they're still all really new to me. And so there's, it's like 20 songs of a lot of them. That I can, I can hear them all when I'm, when we're talking about them, but sometimes I'm going, uh, what, what exactly yeah. does that? I like the thing. This is the last song at the very right. end that he says. Yeah. Oh, that's, kind of, that's funny. Crucify's got a cool intro. The lyrics are really cool. Like you said, Ryan said he thought it was about lawyers dance as the devil. I mean, aren't lawyers kind of in that same category, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, the music is cool. This this could really go either way. I think I think uh, I think Josh just said that if, if you haven't if you're not really well schooled on this song, go back and give it another listen kind of thing. That's the category I'm going to fall into because I, I I wrote down that these this is the first battle where neither of the songs I think is the super strongest one. And I'm going to be the Lone Ranger here. I went 11 silver. Nice. Well, <laughs> you might not be in the Lone Ranger, but what do, what do we got, so George? <laughs> I will say, too, speaking on that solo real quick to piggyback on what Uncle Steve was saying, the rhythm changes up also. After that descending part you're talking about, then Zach really fucking takes off on that solo right there. Because I love rhythm changes in guitar solos. That's something that people should do more often. Kind of like Devil's Daughter on No Rest for the Wicked. When that rhythm changes and he changes up the solo, it's just so fucking good. And that's probably the highlight of the song for me right there, actually. Do you think he's trying to like emulate it over the mountain a little bit with that part, right? I've never thought about it, but now that you guys say that, I can kind of hear it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the just first faster. thing I thought of. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I felt like he was trying to do that over the mountain little lick because mm-hmm. what starts to over the mountain solo. What do you got, George? So here we go. 11 Silver, the biggest piece of crap on the Black Rain album. I hate that chant of go, go during the chorus. I like that. I hate it. <laughs> The guitar solos in the background of the second pre-chorus, they sound pretty cool. So it would have been nice if they were turned up in the mix so that I could actually hear them. Then the main solos, they're badass. We established that. And they could almost salvage the song. But then they start doing the go, go thing again at the tail end of the solos before they even start the third chorus again. So... It's a big miss. This song is a big miss for me. Crucify, I'm kind of in Steve's camp. To me, this is just another song. Didn't hit me as anything special. I wrote down that there's a good buildup in this track because it slowly gets heavier through its running time. And there are some nice guitar leads during the last instance of the chorus. Crucify is decent, but 11 Silver sucks. So Crucify is my choice. 
Oh, I'm surprised you guys don't like Crucified better. I, I think it's a great song, man. It's catchy. But hey, that's what we're doing this for. So that one, Crucified won 4-1, to one, our second 4-1 to one victory. We were this close getting uh, a sweep, but Steve went with 11 silver, and I do respect that choice. But Crucified for the win. All right, next up we have Off of Black Rain, Civilize the Universe, written by Ozzy, Zach Wilde, and Kevin Cherko. Versus Fearless, written by Ozzy, Kevin Cherko, and Adam Wakeman. I'll get and start this one. I actually think this is the most underwhelming battle on the records, personally. I think both of these songs are just okay, and I'm saying that as a diehard Ozzy fan. I think Fearless has got a good groove. Like, I like the tempo. The drum track is pretty cool. really like the pattern to it because it makes you bob your head pretty good. My favorite part of the song is where he sings, this will be your last stand. And then Gus plays those fucking killer leads in between it. And then he comes back with, I wash the blood from my hands. Reminds me a lot of the Randy era, to be honest, that little part. I am not a big fan of the chorus. I am warrior. I'm fearless. No pain, no mercy. It just doesn't do much for me. The guitars are a little tuned down for me. I don't like when Ozzy's tuned to fucking C or whatever the this tuning is. It's just too drop D for me. I, I think they're trying to be too modern on this track and I just, it doesn't do much for me. Civilized Universe was the first song that Ozzy and Zach wrote together for the Black Rain record. And it kind of proved to them that, hey, we still got it a little bit. I don't think it's a great song, but I do think it's got some very pretty melodies. I think the verse is very pretty, even though it's not a a ballad type of song. The bombs exploding, tears are flowing, chasing rockets and gasping for air. That part's really cool. And the chorus is great. I'm alive, watching better turn to worse one more time, try to civilize the universe. Absolutely, I like Civilized Universe considerably better, but it's not a great song. I just don't think Fearless is one of my favorites. So I'm going to go Civilized Universe Again, another really good bridge by Ozzy and Zach. I'm a big fan of those bridges. I'm going to go Civilize the Universe. What do you have, George? So for Civilize the Universe, I kind of like the bass part at the beginning, but then it goes into a riff that just rubs me the wrong way. There's just a bit too much of that industrial sound in there. A lot of electronic sounds in the background. The song gets a little cooler during the bridge, but... It stops dead in its tracks after the solo, and when it's just 15 seconds of that electronica shit, and I'm not a hater of that genre. I'm a big listener of Synthwave and Some House. The problem is that Ozzy's gone too far from his wheelhouse, and I don't really think that he's pulling off the industrial and electronic stuff well in this song. Fearless, right off the bat, it's a better song than Civilized because it's faster and heavier. I don't think it's anything special overall because it's kind of generic and not memorable. I'm probably going to forget about Fearless as soon as we get off this Skype call, but <laughs> I do think it's better than Civilized. So I'm picking Fearless. What do you have, Josh? Yeah, this one for me was one of the tougher battles also, but I kind of agree with you guys. It's tougher because it's the two most underwhelming head-to-head, I think, of the debate. Civilize the Universe is a song that I used to like a bit more than I do now. It's become more pedestrian to me as times wore on. I do like the verse melody that Dan was talking about earlier in lyrics. That's the highlight of the song for me, is right there at the start of the song with those first set of lyrics. Fearless does have a lot more energy to it. It is heavy, but again, kind of like George said, it is a bit forgettable, I think, also. Kind of an odd one, but it was played live some also, George, believe it or not. Aside from 
Let Me Hear You Scream is the only song from the album that was played live, which is a really weird choice that we all agree with. Ultimately, for me, Civilize the Universe is very basic Ozzy Osbourne for me. Like, basic in a way of, like, it doesn't really do a whole lot. There's so much more it could have done. So, for that reason, I pick Fearless. What about you, Steve? Civilize the Universe has a cool intro, cool riff in the song. It's a cool song lyrically. I do agree. I think this is the next most underwhelming two songs together, probably the most underwhelming, but they're in order, you know, six and seven, you know, but fearless starts slow, but it kicks in with a really, really cool riff. That riff is really, really cool. I like that. Um, I think the verses are good. The pre-chorus is really good. The, the, The only downside for me on this song is I, I don't like the way Ozzy sounds on the chorus, that warrior I'm fearless, you know, it's just, I like a little more clean Ozzy or a little raspy, but not this. But that said, I went with Fearless. Ryan, what do you got? They're at the right spot at track seven on these two albums. That's for sure. They're just kind of <laughs> there. Piggyback a bit on what Josh said. The Civilized is definitely like a, about as pedestrian of an Ozzy track as you can get. It's, it's got all like the, the flavors in there, but nothing really amounts to much of a meal. Lack of a better analogy. But to me... Fearless, and I felt this way from like day one of the, the CD in my my car. Fearless is the least Ozzy sounding track that I can think of. In particular, on the chorus, it's just nothing about that says Ozzy. And like throughout the rest of the span of his career that I can even think of, <laughs> you guys are gonna hate me saying this, Stan and Josh, but it, I feel the whole you know I am warrior, fearless. It's so. Five finger death punch like that, like <laughs> it just is. It's just it, 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 it's so un it's so unnatural. It sounds so forced. You know the riffs are cool. Gus kind of saves it and makes it more of a listenable a listenable track. It just does nothing for me. So you know I guess kind of choosing between two turds here. I'll go with so universe universe being a little bit older and doesn't smell as bad. So. How do you know that this track didn't inspire Five Finger Death Punch to become who they are today? It very well could have. <laughs> yeah, because it's their song. It's their song. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Guys, this is another one that that changed the battle outcome. It's weird. I will say the lyrics in Civilized the Universe are really good. Just unfortunate that the, the song as a whole just doesn't hold up as well. But the lyrics are really cool. All right, so that one we have Fearless is the winner three to two with. Dan and Ryan picking Civilized the Universe. Again, I lost. Fearless was picked by Josh, George, and Steve. I'm getting murdered over here. All right. Up next, we have the second battle of the ballads. These are two excellent songs. The first one is Here For You, written by Ozzy, Zach Wilde, and Kevin Cherko, a love song for his fans, versus Time, written by Ozzy and Kevin Cherko. Why don't we go, Josh, why don't you start us off here? Time is a song about life won't wait. The same story, right? Time's ticking away. Time's ticking like a Tom bomb waiting to blow your tired mind or tortured mind or whatever. Singing about time slipping away and trying to live life while you can. Really good song. I think time is extremely underrated. Ozzy, like we've said a few times on this episode, he just tends to pick it up so well with ballads. He just doesn't really do bad ballads. I, I can't really think of any. They really just aren't that good. He just has a way and a knack of singing ballads and doing the melodies for ballads that are just absolutely fucking perfect. It's just, it's just so good. 
But that said, anyone that's listened to this show knows how much Here For You means to me on a personal level. It was the theme song of my wedding. He got married to it at the beach. It's just a beautiful fucking song written as an ode to his fans. He's here for you. He's here for all of us. And it's just a good little fucking Aussie ballad, man. I love it. Love the piano. I'm a big fan of the piano stuff. Good guitar solo from Zach where he served the song. He didn't overdo it. Just played you know, what was needed and what was necessary for the track to be what it needed to be. And I like that one a lot. So I'm going here for you. What do you have, Steve? I agree a lot with what Josh said. It's it's a really, really, really good, pretty song. It's it's definitely the most ballady ballad on the album with the with the piano and everything. The the line when he sings in the song, you know, I don't want to live in yesterdays. It's incredible. It's incredible. So it's a really good song. At song number eight, this is the toughest battle on the album. The last two were were were, were just kind of you know we could almost go, you right. know, rock paper scissors them. But uh, this one's tough. The song time. The verses, Ozzy sounds incredible. The verses are great. The pre-chorus, Time Waits for No One, great. The chorus on this song, you know, where it picks up the pace, this time's wasting away, ticking like a time bomb. Such a great song. It's such a tough choice. This is, I think this is... I love that we're live on the air and, like, he still doesn't know exactly which one he wants to go with. That's awesome, though. (laughs) It is. I think we all do this, though. You're listening to the other guy talk about a track, and you're kind of going... Wait oh, yeah, that is kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just completely rebuff what Josh just said. This is hands down time for me. No doubt. Wow. The, the chorus, the, the the way the chorus builds up instead of, but but when I did it, when I was listening to, you know, when I was going, okay, let me listen to song number eight here and song number eight here. And I got done with here for you. I'm like, there's no way whatever comes next is winning this. And then time plays. And I'm like, oh God, <laughs> this is not going to be easy. So... So I was explaining this. I did a podcast yesterday with a guy, and I was explaining how he he loves. It's the guy I sent you the picture, Daniel, that with him and Ozzy. Oh yeah, it's great. And I was telling him about what we were gonna do, and he was like, "Dude, I can hear in your voice how much you are loving. It's like you found something brand new." And I'm just like, "I really did. I just, but yeah, time blew me away even more than here for you." I, I wish that I could have had here for you in my wedding. That would have been awesome, man. <laughs> if here for you wasn't my wedding theme, I probably would almost pick time because time is really a fucking great song. I agree, man. They're so both so good. It, it, this is one of the unfortunate battles. Like, yeah. What do you got, Ryan? Oh, and you know, I think Steve said it kind of perfectly, man. I, I, it's a tough one. It really, really is. There's, there's so much depth and meaning behind here for you. I think time is one of the most relatable set of lyrics that i that's in in ozzy's solo career for sure like in this group in itself i mean there's a couple decades separating each of us from oldest to youngest who can't relate whether you're 25 you're 55 but like those that line that you know can't hide the clock when every line shows on your face so take it slow you'll never win the human race time waits for no one like it, it hits me even it's always hit me pretty pretty hard but it hits me even more now having my daughter and she just turned two. It's like, you just realize how fast all of this shit blows by just life in general. And then when he does that, that bit of a bridge where stop running to the future and start living for today. Yeah. I, I don't know who can't relate to that. I mean, it, it's just, it's amazing. It's, it's hit me in, in different emotions, specifically going back to this. And like I said, it, doing these battles makes me listen to these songs in ways that I didn't before, because 
I wasn't necessarily looking for the things that I'm finding now. You know, when I went back and I was just listening to this all the way through, I probably went back to time like three times in a row, finished the album, and then went back to it again. It just it blew me away. That's definitely, definitely my choice. There's a lot of heart in that in that song, and I can't not choose it. So, if you think this one's hitting you hard, man, how do you think Dan fucking feels? <laughs> he's the old man. He's the one truly hey, getting lines hey, on his face. And getting, I do. Hey, I actually put less lines on my face than you do. <laughs> hey, yeah. I joke like that. If you haven't ever seen this, Dan actually looks like 10 years fucking younger than I do. So <laughs> it doesn't matter. All I'm right. gray as shit and old. I'm and getting there. All the time. And Dan's like hitting the gym at like four in the morning. I live on the East Coast, and Dan's on the West Coast, and I can message him at 7 o'clock, and he's fucking up. And I'm like, it's like 4 o'clock your time. What are you doing with like, going to the gym? Yeah. You are what I want to be, man. Oh, thanks, man. No, no. I appreciate it. Uh, what do you got, George? So, here for you is the second ballot. It's not as good as Lay Your World on Me. I don't know if we actually needed a second ballot. This song's not very interesting. Ozzy is definitely not pushing himself in the vocal department. I'm reading the notes that I wrote, guys, and now I just feel so bad because I'm hearing that this is Josh's wedding song. (laughs) And I love that you love this song. I love that you found enjoyment where I did not. Unfortunately, I don't have that context and the history with the song that you do. So I'm just telling you how I really feel like you asked me to before. (laughs) Uh, Well, that being said, Time, this is another song that's not that interesting musically. I do kind of like the ooh in the beginning. (laughs) Uh, The message is awesome. We all agree with that. The finite nature of time is something that I personally think about a lot. We don't have to beat this dead horse into the ground. Uh, One more thing that I do think would be interesting to add. There are a lot of wealthy people who have been asked, how much of your money would you give away to have more time on this earth? And like every single one of them unanimously said, I would give all of it. And that just goes to show that we all have the understanding of how limited time is and you can't get back what's already gone. Yeah, the song has an awesome message, so that'll probably put it over for me in this battle, and because the solos are really good. To be clear, Here For You is my wedding theme, because it makes more sense than Goodbye to Romance does. (laughs) 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 It's just the lyrical content hits a little closer to home for what we were trying to achieve. I do like these lyrics. I find them very relatable as well. It's very sweet. It goes maybe a little bit over the edge of sweet into sappy, but it, it's close. It, yeah. Well, yeah. He's good at it though. And that, another thing we didn't mention is Zach's big guitar time. When he comes in on that fucking course, man, he comes in like the fucking thunder of God on that course. It's booming. And I don't know if this changes your choice, but Josh lost his virginity to time. <laughs> <laughs> after his wedding. Cause you know, yeah. scream came out after black rain. <laughs> Three years later. Three years later. Yeah. You're trying to say I lost my virginity in 2010? Are you kidding? Yeah. Three years after 12. Everyone knows that. (laughs) It was to ordinary man. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) Who an ordinary man? Last night. (laughs) So for me personally, this is a great battle. I think this is the best battle we have left on the record, to be honest. 
let me just say one thing about time. I think Gus G's guitar solo is fucking spectacular. Maybe the best solo on screen that he plays. It really is one of the shining moments. I'm not going to beat a dead horse. We do all relate to the lyrics very, very much, especially me. But I will say this, though. I always think of this when I listen to the song. And I know you mentioned this lyric, Ryan, but can't hide the clock when every line shows on your face. So take it slow. You'll never win the human race. I am always constantly reminded of slow down and join the human race. And it's kind of like a little throwback to slow down from Bark at the Moon. And I don't even know if Ozzy realizes he did it. But mm-hmm. they kind of have similar vibes uh, lyrically. But that human race line, I always think of uh, slow down. You know, he I doesn't think, even remember that song. No, probably not. Agreed. <laughs> I think here for you, are you ready for this? Is the best ballad out of all four of them by far. I love Ozzy and a piano. And I say it all the time. Here for you is such a great fucking song. I think it has filled with emotion. I love that it's written about his fans. Most people think it's written about Sharon. It is not. It's Ozzy coming to terms with the fact that he's getting older. A lot of his friends have died that he's been close with. If it wasn't for his fans, he'd be dead in a ditch somewhere. And I think it's just such an anthem to his fans. It went over fantastic for me personally. Live, he played this a lot on the Black Rain tour. And I thought he sounded really good on it. I just think he's very vulnerable in this song. I don't want to live in yesterday, cross my heart until I die. Don't want to know just what tomorrow may bring. Because today has just begun. No matter what else I've done, I'm here for you. You know, he's talking about regrets and some things. Perfect, right, for a relationship as well. Sappy, sure. You're my religion. You're my reason to live. You're my heaven inside my hell. I don't mind sappy when it comes to ballads. I think it's a beautiful song. And I disagree a little bit, George. I think he does sound great vocally. I love the I'm here for you at the, the last four he does at the outro. I think he actually sounds really, really cool on it. And again, I like when Ozzy is kind of like Ozzy on 13, which what I mean by that is he's singing melodies that he knows he can hit instead of these astronomical melodies he comes up with sometimes, a la Sabotage, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, Osmosis, that he cannot reproduce live. All right, here we go. That was the winner of Time. Again, I was on the wrong side of the fucking vote. Time won three to two. Me and Josh picked here for you. We're Ryan, George, and Steve all picked time all right up next we have from black rain countdowns begun written by ozzy zach wilde and kevin churko versus i want it more written by ozzy kevin churko and adam wakeman i will start this one off this is the battle that i don't even think is in the same fucking arena to me this is the biggest smash out there could be between two songs i think i want it more is one of the most underwhelming Ozzy songs he's released in his career. Musically, I think it's great, but fuck, I hate when Ozzy drags a song down and I don't like his melody. But those verse melodies are very blah to me. Life is not eternal. It's sane and a free. It's just, it's kind of boring to me. You hear that killer riff. It's kind of trying to be no more tears or this bigger than life song. And Ozzy brings it down with a very lack of melody. Where to me, Countdown's begun could be the highlight off of Black Rain. I think that opening riff is so fucking killer that Zach comes up with. It just has a vibe of the Ultimate Sin era for me, probably because it's about nuclear war, but just something about Countdown's Begun harkens back to that Ozzy, Jakey Lee era, even though Zach is playing on it. I love the chorus. I see the death and disaster. There's no happy ever after. 
The time has gone. Countdown's begun. It's just got such a cool groove. Almost that riff has almost got an ACDC vibe to it, like a fucking Hell's Bells type of thing. I just think it's so fucking killer. I love Countdown's Begun. Not even close. So I go Countdown's Begun. What do you have, George? I'm already charging right in here and breaking up your hopes of any of these matches being a sweep. Because I will not agree with you on Countdown Begun. This song sounds exactly like the title track. You could easily get this mixed up with Black Rain. I personally don't need to hear the same song twice on an Aussie album. I'll give some credit where it's due. The drum sound is great, but other than that, nothing stands out about Countdown's Begun for me. This is a real skipper. I Want It More is probably one of the best songs on Scream. There are just awesome guitars throughout. So much chugging. And to me, this is where the album starts to really get interesting into a good weed out combined with the 10th track. So I'm going to go with, I want it more. (laughs) Awesome. All right. That's what we're doing it for. If George fucking hates black rain, let me just state that for the record. I got my notes over here. All right. What do you got, Ryan? I don't have a whole lot to add, but that was much different than you, Dan. What George loves about, I want it more. I fucking hate that. Like, Nothing, nothing, nothing grabs me about. And if I'm being honest, in the almost 12 years this album's been out now, and the hundred plus times I've listened to it, I've probably listened to "I Want It More" ten times max. Nothing about about it makes me want to listen to it. It's a skipper. Now I'll I'll mirror what he said in that "Countdown's Begun" and "Black Rain" are like lazily similar. Zach wasn't doing a whole lot, wasn't trying to be too creative there, but at the same time it's still a headbanger and like it really kind of gets me going i i really enjoyed ozzy's delivery i think the the chorus is catchy as hell but yeah it's not even close i i want it more as maybe a top five top ten of like least favorite ozzy songs for sure countdown's begun it is what do you have uh, uncle steve first off i i didn't i definitely am glad both of them said the countdowns begin has a very similar vibe to black rain because like I said, being newer to these albums, sometimes I'm sitting here going, okay, I'm trying to do the each song as we get there. And when I'm doing Countdown's Begun, I end up singing the chorus to Black Rain sometimes. <laughs> I'm going, they're, so they're similar, which, but Black Rain's a great song. I like Black Rain a lot. I think the soft start of this song, the riff is really good. The verses are great. I love the chorus. I love the way it just, there's a certain feel to when he's saying Countdown's Begun, that whole, the way the music, I don't even know what the sound you would call that, but it's very, it's very soothing. I think musically and vocally, Ozzy sounds great on this song. Uh, the little guitar line in the chorus is really, I guess that's what I like. You know, countdowns, we've done, that's really cool. It's almost got a No More Tears vibe to No it, More Tears. It. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 A little, just a little quicker pace. Yeah. Now, I want it more. I think something that Ryan said he absolutely hated, I really love. I love that. Oh, I love that riff. I think it's really, it's cool. The verses are cool. The pre-chorus is cool. Y'all see me looking at my phone. I was looking at the chorus. That The way he sings it, how much can you get now? What's the cost? Tell me, was it everything you wanted? Everything you wanted. And when he ends the chorus with everything you want, I want it more. And then that riff, the riff under the solo, when he's playing the guitar solo and that, that guitar riff is playing underneath it, is really good. Uh, he comes out of the solo, and then there's that, there's that ominous effect going on with the keyboards. Really like the way that sounds. 
And then the way the song basically just ends, the piano part builds up and then it builds right back into that riff and you think, oh, it's just going to fade out or something. And he sings another riff, a line of verses, goes into the chorus. I want it more. And Countdown's begun. I, you said this was an easy one, but when you were saying that, I was thinking, I thought this was very difficult because I like both of these songs a lot. But I ended up wanting a certain one more than the other one. So <laughs> I like it. <laughs> That's funny. Nice. I like your little title segues into all your. I'm trying, yeah. man. I'm trying. It's good. It's good. I, I like to leave. I want to leave Dan hanging because he was. I think he was uh, fishing a little bit during the week. He 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 sent me a message. He'd be like, "So how's it going? How's everything?" I was like, "Man, I just don't want to say anything. If you think I'm going to go one way, then you can probably guess I'm going to go the other way. That'll probably yeah, be your best right. guess." <laughs> all right, Josh, what do you got? So it comes to me to to decide this one, right? Ooh. Yeah, we know. What you, you know, got. one thing I want to say, I want it more. It's got some cool riffs. You know, Dan, we talk a lot on the show about we like when Ozzy has riffs in his songs. Agreed. And for all people, Adam Wakeman is the riff guy on screen. I mean, let's look over it real quick. You got Let It Die. You got Digging Me Down, Fearless, and I Want It More. The riffs are written by Adam Wakeman. He's a decent little riff writer, and I don't know that we've really ever discussed that enough. That That's kind of cool that the keyboard player is the guy writing the riffs in here for all this stuff. I do like the music to I Want It More. I'm kind of like Dan. I feel like Ozzy dropped the ball on this one a little bit. I love the music. The chorus we mentioned has that No More Tears feel to it, but I thought the bridge does, the breakdown in the middle also has the No More Tears feel to it. When it went to the piano section and then back out, kind of like No More Tears. But that said, I really like Countdown's Begun, and it gets my pick. I remember I saw it. I was so excited. ESPN had it on Sports Center for the top 10, and they were playing Countdown's oh, Begun cool. behind it. And I thought that was so fucking cool, you know, the top cool. 10 Countdown's Begun. The promotion was really good for Black Rain. You know, they did the Free Fest thing, WWE, he was on Raw, he was on, you know, ESPN doing Countdown's Begun. I thought that was all kind of pretty good promotion for the record. Countdown's Begun for me is a fun Aussie track, man. It's just your basic, everyday Aussie song, but it's not boring as civilized universe is it's like this is what civilized universe should have been as good as countdown's begun because they both have that kind of basic aussie sound but whereas in countdown's begun it worked and it didn't so much in civilized universe i go countdown's begun all right so that one three to two countdown's begun with dan josh and ryan picking and george and steve picking i want it more all right up last is the final tracks off the record first we have trap door written by ozzy and Kevin Cherko, there is no Zach Wilde credit on Trapdoor, versus Latimer's Mercy, written by Ozzy and Kevin Cherko. So it's the exact same writing team on both. And before we get started, I'll just let everybody know, Latimer's Mercy is written about Robert Latimer's decision to end his disabled daughter's life. It's a very dark track. I love the lyrical content. So why don't we get and start with Ryan? I know we've talked quite a bit about these two tracks, in particular, you know, doing the, the album closer episode. And I, I think I'm I, I fallen in my own category and that I really, really enjoy Trapdoor. There's a lot of energy to it. It's very biting, some really brutal lyrics. Whoever's responsible for, for penning these, I guess whoever it's about is goddamn talk about crucifying someone. It's just it's it's nasty. And I love Ozzy's delivery. You know, the the chorus is probably a little repetitive. They could have found another line or two to throw into there. The inverse of that with Vladimir's Mercy has never really stood out much to me. I think it's awkwardly paced. It's very plotting. Um, I love the story. Actually, I love the story that, you know, the, the way they wove the lyrics into that to tell that story. But Ozzy's melodies are kind of awkward. On top of the kind of awkward pacing of the track itself, it's just never stuck out. Probably my least favorite closer on all of Ozzy's albums. So between the two, 
I, I'm gonna go trapdoor. Does that include a tirade? No, it does not include that. <laughs> All right. What do we got, Uncle Steve? Trapdoor. It starts cool riff. It sounds, you know, gets kicks in pretty quick with a cool riff. And you know, the effects on Ozzy's voice during the verses, that's pretty cool. The chorus, I like the chorus. I don't really I think it's it's another one where Ozzy's voice sounds like he's pushing it a little too hard. It's a good song. It's not the it's again, it's not the greatest, but it's not terrible either. Latimer's Mercy, I didn't know anything about the story behind it. That's really that's that's very sad. But my notes for it are I'll make this one easy for you, Dan. I wrote not a bad song. The chorus is decent. It's got a really cool riff though. So I went trapdoor as well. Wow. <laughs> what do you got, George? I like both of these. So for Trapdoor, this is another one of the highlights of Black Rain for me. This kind of saves the album a little bit to close it on a higher note after a series of songs that weren't quite as strong as the opening two or three or four. Actually, the first half of Black Rain, I think, is a lot better. But Trapdoor comes back and ends it on a better note. The bass is nice and twangy and crunchy during the verses. That's great stuff. The bridge in the middle has sick riffs, great singing, and the energy just elevates here. Really interesting drumming. Mike Borden doesn't get talked about maybe as much as he should. And I think that out of all the songs on Black Rain, this might be the one where he gets to shine the most. He's playing a really complicated pattern that you don't hear too often go back and check out trapdoor again and try to pay attention to the drumming if you haven't listeners and you might find that this is a pretty darn cool track for that the other track that it's up against from scream lottery's mercy there's also a lot of good stuff to say about it in particular it's going to be the lyrics and it was listening to this show and the episode about the best album closers and dan started talking about the lyrical content that it made me go back and give latimer's mercy some more attention and holy fucking shit guys this is some of the craziest storytelling and lyrics that ozzy has ever posed i think that latimer's mercy is another great closer just like trapdoor while Trapdoor, it ends very abruptly and it leaves you wanting more because it's such an energetic song. Latimer's Mercy, it goes into one of the more doomy and chuggy and just savathy paced songs that Ozzy has done in his solo career. And that, in its own right, is also an interesting way to end the album. Great song, really great song. Latimer's Mercy might be one of the top songs of 21st century Ozzy. That'll make it my pick for this battle. And for those who aren't keeping count, that means I only took Black Rain for the first two, and I went Scream everything else. What do you got, Josh? Interesting. George totally stole my thunder on Mike Borden and his drums on Trapdoor. I was going to comment on that. He's doing that tribal beat through the course and it's just so fucking good man it's it's like the highlight of the song for me trap door for a long time was my least favorite aussie song in this catalog i just could not get on with it i don't know what it was i just i just couldn't through time i've developed a, a bit more of a love for it i love the breakdown in the middle i like that part I like mike borden's drumming a lot latimer's mercy very plodding 
But again, like we've all stayed on the show here, I just love the story so much. I pick Latimer's Mercy. Well, we know where I'm going to go from our last episode. To me, this isn't even that close. I don't dislike Trapdoor. I think it's an okay song. I totally agree with Steve. I think Ozzy's almost a little too aggressive vocally, too grovelly on this one. I don't mind the the middle section's pretty cool. How it has like two or three of them built back up, and it keeps changing. Kind of a Sabbathy vibe right there too, which with you know Sabbath's always doing those different movements. So I love that. But I can't again begin to tell you my love for Latimer's Mercy. Sorry, Ryan. I just think it is such a heavy song musically. It fits the heaviness of the lyrics. It's so somber. Imagine what you would have to do to make this choice that Robert Latimer had to do. And I think Ozzy and Kevin Sherco capture this beautifully. And the lyrics are just, like George said, they're just so amazing. They really capture the heartache this gentleman went through making this decision. Especially when he admits he doesn't, you know, I won't say I won't know what I'm doing. I won't say that I'm sorry. I'm sorry. God damn. It's my favorite part. Yeah, yeah, it's so good, man. so good. I think Latimer's Mercy is one of Ozzy's most underrated songs. I think it's fucking brilliant. I think Ozzy sounds great. I love the up-tempo bridge riff. God, that gets me banging my head every time it comes on. It's killer. I think it's not even close. Latimer's Mercy in a landslide. All right, that does it for the battle. So who won that one? That one was three to two, Latimer's Mercy. Dan, Josh, and George had Latimer's Mercy, where Ryan and Steve had Trap Door. I was tallying all of the scores. I had it six to four, Black Rain over Scream. Josh had it six to four, Scream over Black Rain. Ryan had it six to four, Black Rain over Scream. George, as he said, had it eight to two, Scream in a big knockout. And Steve had it. Six to four, Scream. So at the end of the day, Scream wins the battle. By split decision, we go to the scorecards and Scream wins it. Which is surprising. I actually thought Black Rain was going to win it. So it's awesome to go through these exercises and see, especially George and Steve, what you guys thought of the record. So thank you for doing this exercise. The last thing we want to do before we close out is to do our combined album. And why don't we go ahead and go over that? Why don't you start us, George? Because we know it's going to be just the Scream record. (laughs) I'm going to subvert your expectations there. I want to thank you for inviting me on to talk about Black Rain, because that is a childhood album for me. And it's one of the albums that I remember from high school. And if you recall, when we were chatting a while back, I had actually brought up Black Rain was one of the albums I wanted to talk about. You did. Absolutely. And it's not going to be as scream heavy as you think. I'm actually 50-50 because there are a few of those battles where I did think both songs were good. I just leaned a little heavier towards one side. So I'm going to start it off with not going away. I don't want to stop. Black Rain. Lay your world on me. And then I'm going to close the first half with digging me down. Assuming we're trying to do this final style. Yep. I'm going to make Soul Sucker number six so that it would open the first half of side B because I think Soul Sucker, like I said, it's my highlight and it's really catchy. This one gets stuck in my head and I think that'll make a good opener for the second side. From there we go. I want it more. Life won't wait because I think a ballad fits nicely in the eight slot. Latimer's Mercy. And then ended on trapdoor. 
just because I like the way Trapdoor ends a little more than I like the way Latimer's Mercy ends. So that's my 10-track album. I have to mention, we gave this set of two albums a little grief for being the least good, and even this combined version of the 10 best tracks, I think that combined album would still be the least good in Ozzy's catalog. Right. (laughs) Good point. All right, what do you have, Steve? Funny enough, I, I chose Scream won my battle, right? Six to yes. four? Yes, sir. Scream gets its ass kicked on the album, though. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I just added it up, so it's pretty funny. And I tried to do the sequencing. You know, I've heard you guys do that, and you're like, yeah. you know, this and picking things. And I was like, that was a lot of fun trying to figure this out. So you're not going to like all my choices. But I opened the album with I Want It More because it's it's got that – it's got an – intro that leads into something like you know his intros all kind of have the you know like mr tinker train and um uh, perry mason you know he's adding you know little things so i thought it starts off and even these two albums both kind of neither one of them just starts off with a bang they start off with a little lead in it starts and it kicks into what i want from ozzy you know i want a kick-ass rocker right up front instead of the slower ones up front or the sludgier you know I, num- my number two I, I i put let me hear you scream as number two, you know, let's keep the single at number two. I tried to look at albums in the past and see what he did. And I guess, you know, on both of these, he has a single at number two. Another, so you got two quick paced ones. Then I go to the uh, number three, which I, I looked at uh, Blizzard and Diary and No uh, no More Tears. And uh, yeah. yeah, so I chose Lay Your World on Me for the number three song as a ballad. And then after the ballad, I had to pick a song and to pick the pace back up and ease back into it as a kind of an epic song, something that did not win a battle, but it absolutely deserves to be on the album. My number four on side one is Digging Me Down. I love Aussie ballads. I, I, I want to say, Dan, that you've said that you were in favor of Aussie. He could do an album with all ballads and you'd be happy with that. Yeah, absolutely. I wish that's what he would do, to be honest. My number five is uh, Life Won't Wait. To end side one, I'm ending with another ballad. So, Three rockers, two ballads. So I opened side two with an epic. I opened my side two with The Almighty Dollar because I love that. Then then I Don't Want to Stop was the second song on side two. Here For You, uh, track number three. So I'm kind of following the same path as uh, side one. I added Countdown's Begun for my number nine. Like I said, that was a tough battle. I wanted Moore's number one up there as the opener and Countdown's Begun on the album as well. And I closed the album with kind of a diary of the madman feel, a road to nowhere style ending. I put time as the closer. Wow, that's pretty cool. I like your choice, Steve. Thank you. What do you I have, Ryan? Very hard. Uh, so I'm going to start mine off with a fake out intro with Digging Me Down, because I think that's a fucking amazing opener. Once that acoustic fades out and it goes right into that banger, I'm going to take that into I Don't Want to Stop. I'm going to put Crucify in its right place at track three because it's that strong. I like the sequencing of a four and eight as, you know, ballads. So I'm going to keep Layer World on me as track four. I'm going to close out side one with Countdown's Begun. I'm going to open side two, probably the only one who's going to choose this, but let it die. Into Soul Sucker, I'm going to keep track eight as the song Josh Luss's Virginity to with Time. <laughs> into Trapdoor and then I'm going to close with Black Rain because I fucking love it that much and I love the idea of that fade out with like the gun blast going off in the background and just album over awesome what about you Josh 
Mine's kind of similar to Ryan's. I'm also opening up with Digging Me Down. Now, as an album opener, the acoustic intro was fucking perfect, right? Because it's a totally different ball of wax when you're opening the album with it. And coming out of Digging Me Down, I have it going into I Don't Want to Stop. So we're definitely coming out strong. From there, I go bring it down just a little bit with Black Rain. But like the other guys, I also see track four as the ballad track. And right there, I have Life Won't Wait. Then to close the side out for track five, I have Let It Die. Then I open side two with Soul Sucker. And then it goes into the second ballad, Here For You, followed up by Let Me Hear You Scream, Lay Your World On Me, and I close the album with The Almighty Dollar. Nice. This was really tough. This was harder than the battles, to be perfectly honest, because it is kicking some of these songs off. It's it's a heartbreaker. I also opened up my album with Digging Me Down. It's kind of funny. Whoa. Yeah, all three of us did. Then I went straight into Black Rain. I thought, what a fucking one-two punch that would have been. And then I said, lay your world on me. And then I went into Crucify. And then I ended side one with Life Won't Wait. Then I went to Soul Sucker to open my side two. And then I went into Time. Then I went into Countdown's Begun. I just think it brings up the pace a little bit. I love that song. I had Here For You as another downer a little bit before we ended with Latimer's Mercy. I think it's just the perfect ending to an Aussie record. It's just so eerie and creepy. I think it's fucking fantastic. But like my man, Uncle Steve here, I did put all four ballads on the record and it doesn't bother me. I love Osmosis. That's ballad heavy. I think these ballads are better than the other songs. So I said, fuck it. Let's do it. So this was a great exercise. I hope you guys at least got to appreciate the albums a little bit more. I know, George, you didn't like Black Rain nearly as well as Scream, but hopefully you did leave with with enjoying Scream more than you thought maybe you would. I think, Steve, I think we kind of made you a fan of both records, which I'm really happy about. And Yes. I, I just it's hope exciting. That, yeah, it's exciting. And I think these it records is. are a lot better than people give them credit for. Gus G does a fantastic job on fucking Scream. Absolutely amazing. And what do you got, Josh? Yeah, and in my mind, I've always compared the two and i've always felt like i liked scream better but as time's worn on just in the past few months I, i'm definitely leaning towards black rain now as my favorite of the two like even comparing the two albums right here head to head it comes out about 50 50 i think i went six four screen the bonus tracks on black rain are so good that i like those better than most of the album tracks so when you add in the bonus tracks i think that black rain is definitely my favorite of the records yeah definitely a good time and we appreciate you guys for coming on and hanging out with us we do want to remind listeners that if you are a fan of the album Black Rain, Ozzy does have a re-release coming out. The first time ever on vinyl, Black Rain comes out May the 18th. So definitely get out and pick up a copy of that if you are a vinyl collector. I only collect Ozzy vinyl. I will get a copy as much as it pains me. I'll listen to it once and put it up. $45 down the tube, but at least I'll have it. But anyway, you guys got anything to say before we head out? I just want to say that Best Buy has an exclusive also with, with different splatter vinyl if you want to get it through Best Buy. Oh, very cool. Yeah. I just want to thank Steve and George. Please listen to their podcast, support them. They are the experts of Iron Maiden and Judas Priest, like Josh and I are for Ozzy. So if you enjoy our podcast, please check out Metal Gods podcast with George and Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. What do you guys have to say? This was an absolute blast. It was great working with you again. Listeners, check out my show, Metal Gods podcast. And the episode on the song Turning Circles, where Dan came on, told us about his history with Judas Priest and went to bat for one of his favorite underrated songs. And Josh, we 
briefly discussed this, but we're definitely going to get you on the show at some point this year. So you can tell us your story and we can chat about the Judas Priest shows that we both attended this year and we'll have a blast. So again, thank you. This was great. When I count my top artists of all time, I usually count Ozzy slash Sabbath. Me too. Because because for me, I'm a Sabbath fan of Ozzy material, and that's I don't go past that. I to find two albums that I've never really given a chance at all, and have like this ultra excitement about them, and be excited like wow, I'm finding these songs that I'm just like, you know, like when you're listening to a song and you just you're just you close your eyes, and you're just completely lost in it, and that's happening on these albums, and it's an artist that I've loved for years, and it's it's always always a great thing to have happen and man it was awesome to come on here like i said i listened to the podcast almost every i haven't heard the most recent two episodes i've had a couple of weird weeks and man i love the podcast i appreciate you letting me come on it was a blast thank you we appreciate that and i just want to point out real quick that that dan said that he and i are the aussie experts and george is the priest expert i'm not the iron maiden (laughs) poor ryan is the expert of nothing (laughs) sorry ryan to yeah. tell you the truth, Ryan can tell you as much about Priest as fucking anybody. He knows yeah, as true. much about and Priest as Ozzy. So, yeah. Sorry about that, Ryan. I want to say this, though, to Steve. Our next job is to make you love Down to Earth since you can't even remember the title of the record. I just sure. honestly, it's it's kind of in the same category as this, is I just haven't listened to it enough. I actually listened to it this week because I was like, I want to hear how it compares, like how it leads into, even though there's a lot of years difference. Yeah. But I will say this, you know, you did say I was the Iron Maiden expert. I, I went back and forth with Dan one night on Twitter, and I, I was literally on there going, God dang, he needs to have the Iron Maiden podcast, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Well, and Ryan, you know, George, if you're looking for another guest, Ryan knows all there is to fucking know about Judas Priest. He knows quite a He's an encyclopedia also. He'd be a great guest sometime. They're my number two. It's Ozzy Sabbath and Priests is right there. Right there. And I just want to say it's been a blast, as always, doing these battles. It's been awesome meeting you, George. It's been awesome meeting you, Steve. I, I love what you guys are doing, too. Dan and Josh, as always, thanks for having me. Love you guys. I want to double down on the Black Rain bonus tracks because not enough people know about them. They're all on YouTube. Nightmare, I Can't Save You, Love to Hate incredible never should have gone unnoticed never should have been just bonus tracks so anyone listening find them listen yeah highly recommend it so thanks again i have to say this is going to be my closing words god bless i love you all <laughs> on that note we'll see you all on the other side What do you think, uh, Ryan? Oh, I'm sorry. What do you think, You're, Steve? Uh, <laughs> Let, Ryan or Steve, you got a pick. Uh, me and Dan aren't used to this format. So give us uh, a ready? Okay. What, what do you think, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Up next, we have the battle. That, tally. Oh, Tally. God damn it. So he's not got it. He's not got the first fucking one, <laughs> has he? <laughs> Not once. God damn. All right. All right. So next up is oh god damn it. Our, our winner our winner on that one. Late, isn't it? Yeah, hey, exactly. He's got a piss so bad he can't stand it. Oh, I'm doing pretty good right now, actually. I'm shocked. And we're over two hours in and I don't have to pee. It's a big one.